All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. Okay, Lance, coming in with the fire. I hear you now. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Starcade Media Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 208, in full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you and for you to be here with us, whether you are live streaming, podcasting, or YouTubing. We want to thank you so much for making time to be with us in this time as we have so much to discuss when it comes to the world of sports, whether it's the NFL, whether it's the NBA, MMA, baseball, whatever we got going on today, man, we are going to touch as much of it as we possibly can. And again, thank you so much for being here with us as we try to cover up the landscape as best as we can, as we do each and every week. If you've not already done it, man, hit us up on YouTube and let us know what you guys think. Hit us up in the chat. And while you're there and while you're visiting us, you might as well hit subscribe. We'd love to be for, if, love it if you guys joined our Spoken community. We're on all platforms, podcast-wise. We're obviously on YouTube doing live streams and all of our videos. If you want to go back and look at our archives, maybe try to find some freezing cold takes. I know I've had my fair share of them. You can feel free to visit that right here on YouTube. And then, like I said, if you want to join us on social media, you're going to hit us up on Twitter at the Pod. You see all of our addresses, if you will, at the bottom of the screen right there. But nevertheless, thank you guys so much for being here with us today because we have NFL free agency to talk to. In particular, we're going to talk about NFL free agency when it comes to the Chiefs and what we think, what each one of us would like to see the Chiefs do. We're going to get a little bit into the Eddie Hour, and we're going to be handing out some L's. And so definitely want to get to that. I do want to wish real quick a happy birthday to my little niece, Scarlett Ray Twidwell, our, my brother Trevor's daughter. She just turned 10 today, so I just wanted to say that real quick. I love you, babe. I know you fall, I know you watch our show, and she's our biggest fan of our podcast. Love you, princess. So, yeah, we love you, baby. We just want to say happy happy birthday, happy 10th birthday. I'm an officially an old man uh, to have a 10-year-old niece. It just it's it's wild to think, man, but let's get to some sports, man. I want I want to I want to touch to I want to touch on a on just a few one/needs. As a Chiefs fan that I would like to see the Chiefs go after in free agency, both in trades, signings, whatever the case may be. We weeks ago and we had this last week off, and I ain't gonna lie to you guys, it, it was nice to kind of get a recharge of the batteries to kind of get a fresh focus. Cause we never take time off on the show. That's one thing we definitely pride ourselves on in, in, in the spoken is that we do a show every single week. But last week gave me some good reflection on what I want to see this team do. And I know some of you guys were probably missing our show, but some of you were probably like, Oh yes, they're gone for, for good. LOL, bitch, you thought. We're here to talk some Chiefs football. And I'm I wanna I wanna talk about what I think the Chiefs need to do in order to better their chances of winning the Super Bowl next season. Because if we're being honest, like the next two to five years is something that we all fixate on and we're, we're, we're focused on and we want to see the Chiefs continue to build for the next two to five years. But being honest, what's most important is a year-to-year basis. What is the most important thing? What the Chiefs do this offseason to better build for their chances next season. That's what matters the most. So I'm looking at these particular items these wish list items for myself and then i want to hear trevor Nettie's thoughts as well you can react to what i what i'm wishing or you guys can just give me your thoughts throughout of what you guys want but this is what i think the chiefs need to do in order to build their team now i preface it by saying i 
am wearing the shirt today intentionally that I trust Veach and Veach we trust because that is he is he has earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to me. I may disagree with a few items uh, or topics or, or decisions he makes. But I trust that Brett Veach is going to take care of things and make this team the Super Bowl winning team that it's been over the last five seasons. Thanks to him. Thanks to Andy Reid. Thanks to Patrick Mahomes and all these guys. So these aren't me saying that I think that Brett Veach needs to take what I say seriously. These are just things that I, just from my point of view, would love to see the Chiefs do. If they don't do these things, I'll be willing to live with them and I will give them, again, the benefit of the doubt because they've given me reason to give them the, the benefit of the doubt over the last five years. Off the top... It's something I addressed on our last show, um, and it is it is not even really a want. It is actually just a, a reflection of what took place because on our show last week, we talked about what we wanted to see the Chiefs do with the guys that were on this team last season. If, as we all know, Frank Clark is now gone. Yep. Uh, the, he's been with the Chiefs now five years. He was a defensive end, edge rusher for the Chiefs, helped the Chiefs win two Super Bowls. I said, and I, and I stand by it, and I will forever stand by it, the Chiefs do not win Super Bowl 54 and 57 without Frank Clark in place. He definitely helped them. He shined in the postseason so bright. At the same time, this was something I wanted to see happen. I wanted to see the Chiefs cut ties with Frank Clark. He's going to be 30 years old. He has health concerns. He's very, very, very inconsistent in the regular season. I think the Chiefs can upgrade at that position. I'll get to that in a little bit of what I think the Chiefs can do in order to get uh, some veteran presence in that because we'll talk about the draft when that, when that comes about. We're talking about free agents. We're talking about trades. I love the fact the Chiefs parted ways because this is a good business situation with Frank Clark. He can go get the bag somewhere else, maybe even become one of those mercenary guys, maybe. you know, paid paid for a year for a team that wants to try to contend for a Super Bowl. Frank Clark will definitely help you in the postseason. But he gives the Chiefs $21 million in cap space now that he's gone. That is an absolute benefit for the Chiefs, an even bigger benefit than having him still on the team because he doesn't – he doesn't – his value isn't worth $21 million, in my opinion. He was worth $30 million coming into next season if the Chiefs kept him as is. Yeah. Him and his agent didn't come to a resolution when it came to the Chiefs and the restructure. This is what needed to happen. I'm going to miss Frank. Uh, especially when it came to the postseason, he was a, he was an absolute quote. He was one of the he was the heart, one of the heart and souls yeah. of this team. In fact, you could go as far as say he was the heart and soul of this team and in some Chris regards. Jones, defense, yeah, yeah, just just made noise, backed it up in the postseason. In biggest moments, he absolutely shined bright. And I can't thank Frank enough, but I, I definitely think that was the right move to make. Next order of business. This is what I want to see the Chiefs do first and foremost, and I'm going to stick by it. Sign Orlando Brown Jr. to a long term deal. As we know, the Chiefs decided to place to not place the franchise tag on left tackle Orlando Brown for a second consecutive season, saving them over twenty-one million, about twenty to twenty-one million against the cap. But according to reports, the Chiefs are still looking to get a long-term deal done with Orlando and his representation. From CBS Sports, the Chiefs have to wait until Monday, March thirteenth at noon Eastern Eastern time to negotiate a deal with Brown. At that point, the Chiefs and any NFL team vying for Brown's services will be able to negotiate with his representation and agree to terms on a contract. If he were to agree to a deal that sends him out of Kansas City, Brown will not be able to actually ink that new deal until the official start of the new league year on Wednesday, March 15th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I have been the most active and ad ad avid supporter for Orlando Brown Jr. in local media. I don't think that's even a debate. Anybody that follows me knows what I feel about Orlando Brown Jr. I am still very much, I still very much think he is the best, most realistic option for the Chiefs solidifying their left tackle position, and I believe the Chiefs feel the same way. I know the reports are saying what they're saying, but I believe the Chiefs feel the way I feel, and I'm going to explain why. 
that is actually the best option for the Chiefs to go moving forward, even though it seems grim right now. Because when it comes to the Chiefs' options at left tackle, there are three options and there are three risks with those three options. For one, and this is something a lot of people have been suggesting, but I'm going to break down why this is not an option I think is realistic for the Chiefs. The Chiefs could do all that they can and trade for a veteran left tackle, say a Laramie Tunsil with the Texans. But from the Texans' perspective, does that really make any sense? Biggest reasons why? Just a little over three years ago, they made that trade and they gave up two firsts, a second, and two players to get Laramie Tunsil. That's a lot of assets to get to get to give up to get a guy and then give him away just three years later. Plus, Tunsil is only 28 years old, and the Texans are about to draft their rookie franchise quarterback. Why would you trade a top 10 left tackle in his prime right before doing that? Tunsil is also on the last year of his deal. The Texans have a ton of cap space. I think it's like third or fourth most right now. They would they could literally pay him whatever it took to keep him. And just as a side note, why in the hell would the Texans want to trade their badass left tackle in his prime to the Chiefs? You really think the Ravens would have traded Orlando Brown Jr. to the Chiefs had they not already had Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley and that extension in place? Would not have happened. Number two, the Chiefs could draft their starting left tackle. This is also another popular belief. As we all know, the Chiefs have the 31st overall pick. Here are just a few of the best left tackles currently in the NFL and where they were drafted. Trent Williams, 4th overall pick. Laramie Tunsil. 13th overall pick. Tyron Smith, 9th overall pick. Ronnie Stanley, 6th overall pick. Rashawn Slater, 13th overall pick. In other words, if the Chiefs are looking to not only get their cheaper but also better left tackle via the draft, they're going to have to be extremely aggressive in the draft, meaning they're going to have to trade 15 to 20 spots up just to have a shot at one of the better players at that position. And in order to trade up for that, the Chiefs would have to trade away anywhere from 5 to 10 picks. I don't think they're doing that. You just saw the Panthers and the Bears make one of the biggest trades in NFL history for the draft. Not often do you see the first overall pick get traded away, and you saw what they had to give away. If the Chiefs are trying to move up 15 to 20 spots when the Jags only moved up about 8 spots, imagine what they're going to have to give up. And here's the third option, and just, just go with me on this one. Call me crazy. You could just pay Orlando Brown Jr. the money he's asking for. I know, I know. That sounds just insane, right? I get it. It's a risk to it's pay a, a lot of money. It's, it's it's a risk to pay a top ten left tackle top two money when it comes to guaranteed money. But there's an even bigger risk, leaving the unknown to protect Patrick Mahomes' blind side. Maybe you can trade three to four picks to get twenty eight year old Laramie Tunsil, but seeing he's on a one year deal, you're gonna have to pay him insane money anyways. Maybe you could trade up and spend half of your picks over the next two drafts to get the next guy. But are you comfortable risking Patrick Mahomes' blindside protection with a rookie left tackle? Because I'm not. I keep hearing people use the excuse to make this move because the Chiefs went the rookie route when it came to Creed Humphrey and Trey Pancake Papa Smith in 2021. And this, look, is no slight or no shot at those two studs. I love those guys. But it is a lot easier to fill the center and right guard roles with, with rookies than it is left tackle. A lot easier. 
because those positions are a lot easier to play. There's a reason left tackles make substantially more money on a normal basis than those positions or any other position on the offensive line. It's the second most important position on an NFL roster. Call me crazy, but out of those three risks, paying Orlando Brown Jr. a ton of money is the least riskiest for me. Because we know what he is in this offense, we know what the Chiefs can do with him in this offense, and it's winning a Super Bowl. You guys can take your risk as you want. My second free agent want slash need in, in, in free agency this year for the Chiefs, trade for DeAndre Hopkins. This scenario that myself and others have pushed onto Chiefs fans has gotten about as much of a mixed reaction as you could imagine. We might even have a guy in this room right now that's against it, but we'll find out in a second. But back in January, we began to hear about DeAndre Hopkins getting traded by the Cardinals and how the Chiefs were the betting on favorites and trading for him. So on January 12th, I tweeted out my initial thoughts on the Chiefs trading for DeAndre Hopkins. I said, for those that think the Chiefs would have to trade a ton to get DeAndre Hopkins, the Cardinals traded a second and a fourth and a running back for him and a fourth-round pick. That was when he was coming off four straight 1,100-yard seasons and six-plus touchdowns. If the Chiefs want him, they can get him. I then followed up the next day with a tweet that said, "Trading for DeAndre Hopkins would not only cost the Chiefs would not cost the Chiefs valuable picks, not only give Patrick Mahomes an elite receiver on a much cheaper deal than even Tyreek Hill got, it would give the Chiefs an even it would give him even more reason to utilize their draft picks on loading up on even more defensive talent." What do you know, guys? All that seems to be exactly how it is and how it's going to be. According to reports, we're seeing that DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be looking for a massive extension. He said he's flexible with his two-year deal, which is worth $34 million in total, which gives basically means whoever's taking him on is going to have to pay $17 million a year for a top-10 wide receiver with probably the best hands in football. Sounds like a steal to me. Let's go down DeAndre Hopkins' quarterbacks that he played with from 2013 to 2022, not named, DeAndre, not named Deshaun Watson. Matt Schaub. Case Keenum, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates, Brandon Whedon, Brock Osweiler, Tom Savage, AJ McCarron, Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy, Trace McSorley, David Blow. His numbers with those quarterbacks in 107 games had 589 receptions for 7,955 yards and 46 touchdowns. His per game average in that was six receptions for 74 yards and a half touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins with Deshaun Watson, he played only 38 games with Deshaun, had 264 receptions for 3,343 yards and 25 touchdowns. His per game average was only one more reception for only 14 more yards and the same amount of touchdowns per game with a superstar Deshaun Watson. He's good. Even if Hopkins' best days are behind him, he has proven that he can produce at a very high level regardless of who his quarterback is. Patrick Mahomes would, will get everything that's left out of him. If it takes a second-round pick to get DeAndre Hopkins, the Chiefs should make that trade and make that trade as soon as possible because he's still very much well worth it. And even though Brett Veach has done well in the second round, he hasn't drafted a Hopkins equivalent there at all. It's not even close. Look at the second-round picks that Brett Veach has had. And there's some really good players there that we all love. Creed Humphrey, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., McCole Hardman, Juan Thornhill, Sky Moore, Brian Cook, Breland Speaks. 
Outside of maybe Creed Humphrey, there isn't a guy on that list that I wouldn't trade to get DeAndre Hopkins. And I know that drives Chiefs fans crazy because we love our players. We love our Nick Bolton. We love our Willie Gay Jr. We love these guys. None of them are more valuable than DeAndre Hopkins. None of them are better at football than DeAndre Hopkins. None of them would help the Chiefs win another Super Bowl more than a DeAndre Hopkins. The Chiefs currently have 22 players that will be on the rookie deal in 2023, which means the Chiefs will have the cap space to take a pricey veteran like D-Hop on. But even D-Hop himself isn't necessarily as pricey considering his talent and production when you all equate it. And again, he has two years left on his deal, $34 million attached. You consider the productivity you're going to get over the next two years from a motivated guy that's never won anything in his career but has made all this money. You have to think about how much that's going to help the Chiefs get back to where they just left. Hopkins would provide the Chiefs a complete receiver with elite hands and route running. Not to mention, would take a lot of pressure off a soon-to-be 34-year-old Travis Kelsey, which people just keep to keep forgetting. This guy is eventually going to age. Travis Kelsey is eventually going to decline. you got to start giving him some help. I know how last year worked. It worked out well. You can't replicate that each and every year. You have to go and get more talent. And plus, we, if you want to draft a, a receiver, the Chiefs have done that recently in the mid to late round picks. See Tyreek Hill. Man, it was a fifth round pick. I finally began doing what Twitter spaces, that whole Twitter spaces thing, because our guy Mark Gunnels, my brother Mark Gunnels, was like, bro, you got to get on here. You got to get on here. Mm -hmm. I finally started doing that. And then, of course, it was a blast. I, I, I slept on that. And I'm going to hold that L forever. But it was, a, it was a great time meeting some Chiefs fans I never talked to before, getting interact. We obviously got to talk to Robert Griffin III, talk to him about Orlando Brown Jr. But there was other things that people were talking to me about, about how to build this roster, and where does D-Hop kind of fit in all of that. I said... When, in my opening act, I said the best way for the Chiefs to win more Super Bowls is to provide Patrick Mahomes with a top-tier offensive line and a top-tier defense. Well, as it's currently constructed, the offensive line's taken care of. At least three to four positions are sure up. To be, yeah, maybe. The Chiefs have the O-line down, the defense is young, and it still has areas need to be met via the draft. Which is why... You take care of the wide receiver position in this trade, you can use 9 to 10 picks on your defense and keep solidifying even more young, rookie, cheap talent. Veach has dedicated the majority of last year's draft for the secondary and absolutely crushed it. There's no reason in the world why he can't replicate that by adding edge rush and interior defensive line talent around Chris Jones and George Karloftis in this year's draft. Adding a veteran like D-Hop gives the Chiefs the freedom to focus on building an even deeper defense to take on the gauntlet of top-tier AFC quarterbacks and give Patrick Mahomes just enough to repeat as champions. The Chiefs are a better, more prepared team with another Super Bowl run with DeAndre Hopkins over that second-round pick than it supposedly would take to get him in return. It may not even take a second-round pick to get him. This trade makes so much sense for both sides, and I am hopeful that it will get, we will get it done. This is the most important part I want to bring up when it comes to all this. And I'm, I'm going to get brutally honest. We've been doing this show now for four years. And something that Trevor, Eddie, and I, have, we've never really talked about it, but it's something we've just kind of done. We, we've, never really, we've never really called out folks in the local media realm because we like to maintain a good relationship. And, and, and you know we, we want to make sure that we ease things through. But we also want to be brutally honest about stuff. 
I want to address something that's been bothering me a ton when it comes to this particular trade. And, and I think it's time to call some foolishness out. The amount of energy that's been used by some of these KC Media members to go against DeAndre Hopkins and the Chiefs over the last couple of weeks is easily one of the weirdest things that I've seen in a while. I, I don't understand it. His First and foremost, his addition isn't keeping the Chiefs from another Super Bowl. If anything, it only elevates it significantly. I fail to see the negative in any of that. 610 Sports Radio host Carrington Harrison uh, said something that I'm assuming was a that I'm assuming he had a straight face when he said it. When he mentioned that D Hop, and these are his words. You can go, I can send you guys the podcast, whatever you guys go look it up if you want to. It's on the Odyssey app. He said that in this offense, DeAndre Hopkins at best would give the Chiefs eight to nine hundred yards. Then five ten minutes later, when he had a, a caller on, went on to say that. D-Hop is no longer a top 20 wide receiver in this league. Okay. A couple of things here. It's impressive to me that, that CDOT believes that DeAndre Hopkins, who had 717 yards in just nine games last season, only five of those games with Kyler Murray throwing the ball, I might add, would only get 83, 83 more yards next season with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. I also find it funny that he foolishly states that he's not a top 20 wide receiver in today's NFL, but failed to give us the 20 names he'd take over him, other than Terry McLaurin, who had 474 more yards and two more touchdowns in seven more games than DeAndre Hopkins last season. That's an average of 68 yards per game and a touchdown every three games. Yeah, he's not better than DeHop. You're telling me that's better than DeAndre Hopkins? No, he's not better than DeHop. This is pure and utter nonsense. It is stupidity. I'm not attacking the man. I'm sure Carrington's a whatever guy. This is a horrific take. A terrible take. If the Chiefs traded for D-Hop right now, do their Super Bowl odds go up or down? They go up. If the Chiefs traded for D-Hop right now, is their wide receiver room better or worse? Much better. If the Chiefs traded for D-Hop right now, are they a better or worse team? Better. The same people that are hell-bent against trading for D-Hop are the same people petitioning for the Chiefs to bring back Juju Smith-Schuster. And for the record, we're Team Juju up in here. We love Facts. Juju Smith-Schuster. Eddie was making a great case from the other day about how he's loyal and he would come back on a cheaper deal. Maybe that's true. I don't see it because I think he's going to be outpriced. The market is too rich for wide receivers this offseason. But let's do a little comparison real quick. Juju Smith-Schuster in 16 games last season with Patrick Mahomes had 78 receptions for 933 yards and three touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins in nine games last season with Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy, and Trace McSorley had 64 receptions, 717 yards, and three touchdowns. I can't help you if you don't get the D-Hop as a massive upgrade over Juju Smith-Schuster. And look, final thought on D-Hop. Are there concerns with the Chiefs trading for DeAndre Hopkins? Yep, there are. He's not young. He's 30 years old. He's missed games recently to injuries and suspensions. Those are legitimate concerns. But he would give Patrick Mahomes something that Patrick Mahomes has never had in his professional career. A top 10 wide receiver that is over 6 foot 1, has elite hands, and route running. They would literally wreck the league together. 
I really hope people understand that. And I hope that people are paying attention and remember this video here right as we're talking about this. Because if this trade goes down, I hope that everybody understands what the Chiefs just brought to their offense. For some damn reason, people have forgotten what DeAndre Hopkins is as an, off as an offensive weapon. Just a couple of years ago, I remember back in 2020, people were still calling him the best receiver in football. You're telling me right now that man's falling this far off? I, I, I don't see it. I see a man who got 717 yards and a nine-game sample size with some of the worst quarterback play and one of the most, I mean, name me a, name me a situation last season that was, that was as toxic as Arizona. I mean, they were they had to literally take stuff out of Kyler Murray's claws or that clause out of his contract because he whined about it. And Man was playing modern warfare all the time. And they fired their head coach. And then he tears his ACL, and you have Colt McCoy, thirty-six-year-old Colt McCoy, journeyman quarterback, and David Blow throwing DeAndre Hopkins the ball. McSorley, yeah. McSorley, thank you. McSorley. He was there as well. I mean, think about what he had overcome, and he still produced at such a high level in just a small sample size. Put him around Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in this offense. And Andy Reid's offense, yeah. And Andy Reid's <laughs> offense. I really hope people are a lot smarter than Carrington Harrison, who's saying he'd get eight to 900 yards at best. I almost want that no to happen. He's no longer a top 20 wide receiver. I almost want that to happen just to prove them wrong more than just to help our offense. I want this. I want to see him be on this offense and, and, and absolutely flourish just to prove the naysayers and the morons out there wrong more than just simply helping out this offense and taking us to the next level. It's almost like just as sweet for me to see the faces of those people. Yeah. So. My next move, I got I got two more moves, and I want to I want to get Trevor Nettie's once, and, or they can react to whatever they want from me. But these are these are gonna be more a little more brief. Third one's I think is a slam dunk, and it's something I think we've all wanted for a couple of years. Sign Odell, sign Odell Beckham Jr. Why not? Now here's the thing. I'm gonna preface this by saying that Odell's gonna have a market. I don't know if you guys saw Jeremy Fowler's report on ESPN, but Odell Beckham has gotten buff. He's always kind of a slender guy. They said he's about the size of Debo Samuel and Saquon Barkley now. Literally, you can go look that up. They said he's in between like a Debo Samuel and Saquon Barkley body bass yeah, now. Yeah, an off-season trend cycle. Yes, yeah, yeah probably <laughs> did. He probably used HGH, whatever. I'm not trying to accuse him yeah, of anything, but he probably he did. probably did. He got to get himself healthy. I don't blame him at all. But there's going to be about 13 to 15 teams that are in the Odo Beckham market. So more than likely, Chiefs won't get him. But if he is, if he is of the mind of, I want to win, yeah. I want to come in here, be your wide receiver two, wide receiver three. It is common sense. Even if you have to give a two-year, $20 million deal with you know most of that being incentive-based, sign me the hell up. Yeah. You're talking about adding a guy that had the greatest four-year stretch to ever start a career for a wide receiver mm -hmm. over Jerry Rice, Antonio Brown, Randy, Randy Kevin Johnson, Randy Moss, any of the greats you ever remember. Yeah. He had a better start to his career than any of them. I still think a little bit of that guy's still in there. He's not going to cost you a bunch of money. He's not a guy that from every, I know people love to just to kill Odell Beckham because of him being a flashy, flourish. He's a flary guy. You know, he has that pizzazz to Most him. Most of the good to, ones are. Yeah, <laughs> but he's not a team killer like people think he is. No, no. Like when he was with the Rams, you heard zero problems, and they won a fucking Super Bowl, and that dude was going to win Super Bowl MVP before he blew his knee out. Yeah. And according to reports, he already tore his ACL before that game. Oh, and he wow. was already playing like that. And he just he uh, further exagger or uh, uh, aggravated it, mm. and then he had to leave the game. But according to reports, he had already torn his ACL before Freak. that. And he was bowling in that game. So think about that guy in this offense, in the, in the fantasy world that I've already been building you guys, and tell me how anybody's stopping this offense. I don't see it. My final move is a very controversial one. It took over social media by storm this week when I posted it because no one else is talking about it. I think a lot of people are afraid to talk about it, but that's not how we do things around here. Uh, the Chiefs need to sign Justin Houston. It needs to happen. 
It needs to happen. According to SpotTrack, Justin Houston's market value is set at $5.3 million per year. That is insanely cheap. I believe you he had nine sacks last season, I think. Yeah. Justin Houston just turned 34 years old, which is not young by any means. Mm-hmm. Carlos Dunlap was almost that last season. We loved having Carlos Dunlap on this team. And Trevor just said it. He had nine and a half sacks last season. <laughs> and since 2019, Justin Houston has missed four games. Since 2019. Think about that. That was the season the Chiefs won their first Super Bowl. And he's missed four games in that span. I would gladly, and I mean gladly, give Justin Houston a two-year, $10.6 million deal right now. I'd fully guarantee that bitch. I'd give him whatever guaranteed money he wants. You just lost Frank Clark. Justin Houston is a better player than Frank Clark could ever dream He's of being. better than Carlos Dunlap, too. He hasn't had the chances to be in the, in, the, in, the, in the deep playoff runs like Frank Clark has. No offense to Frank, but Justin Houston is a better player. Mm-hmm. If Justin Houston got to play 11, 12 playoff games with Patrick Mahomes, he's probably putting up those sack totals because he's a better player and better getting to the quarterback. Well, imagine the fan reaction, bro. And here, thank you, thank you, thank bro. you. Because everyone has been reminding me since I posted this that it it's <laughs> that Justin Houston and the Chiefs' relationship did not exactly end amicably. Sure. They had a lot of bad blood. I know there's that whole Eric Berry situation and J- Justin Houston and Eric Berry were boys and they didn't really like how things ended. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit because this is good business. And quite frankly, seeing Houston end his career where it began would be poetry so beautiful even Shakespeare would blush. Like, think about having him come back full circle. You guys squash that shit. You get him on a Super Bowl winning team, and he gets to go out as a Super Bowl champion. Think about the story. And then you're talking about a lot like what we're talking about with DeAndre Hopkins. Then Justin Houston can start getting opportunities to be speak, spoken in Hall of Fame echoes. He goes out here and has another oh. 9, 10 sack season, gets himself close to 100-plus sacks in his career. I think he has I think he's about over 100 sacks now in his career. So, if he yeah. gets yeah, he to is. 120-ish, 130 sacks in his career, wins a Super Bowl with the Chiefs, plays 13, 14 seasons in the league, that's a Hall of Fame player. He's like I think he's only one of three or four active players that have over 100 sacks in their career. Right He's now. still productive. Yeah. Is he a guy you build your pass rush around? No. But you got Chris Jones for that. And I'm fully expecting Chris Jones to get that extension, which we can talk about. Yeah. But I'm fully expecting that these guys, Karloftis is going to be better. Chiefs are going to draft edge rush. You put Justin Houston around those guys and show them the ropes. Give George Karloftis that much more advice and let him see it from another perspective. All these moves I'm talking about are win-wins for the Chiefs. There's no, like, there are risks, but the rewards way outweigh the risks that are involved. Could some of them not work? Sure. Could Justin Houston hit a wall? Could Edo Beckham be a fraud? Could DeAndre Hopkins just be, you know, a passed-up player? Of course. Of course. I don't see it that way. These are the, these to me are the building blocks to help the Chiefs get to another Super Bowl championship. Obviously, the draft is going to help that as well because Brett Veach kills it in the draft. He's been doing it for the last three years. I don't see that changing, but you still have to go out there and get veteran presence, and I think these are key cogs to the Chiefs winning another Super Bowl. Trevor? Yeah, I mean, I'll just, I'll just start from where you ended. I think Justin Houston would be a great, um, just a great situation, a great move, a great reacquisition. Um, you know, a reunion for the guy. I mean, we all, I know me and you love him. Uh, I think everybody, in, as far as Chiefs Kingdom, Kingdom goes, I don't think there's any beef between the fans. I think the fans would welcome him back. Some people might think he's too old, but I mean, like, like you just said, the dude just last season had nine and a half sacks on a load of defense with a lot of other players that are playing around him as well. Uh, he still outshined a lot of those guys, even younger guys in that defense. So 
have him and just that 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 veteran presence and a guy who knows this 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 uh, this team and knows this franchise really well um, and owes a lot to this franchise as well uh, uh, because of you know his story you know granted he was he dropped in the draft because of a stupid weed situation but the fact that the Chiefs still took a game his shot and and you know had some really solid years with him he, he's a big part of that era. You know, the Eric Berry and all those guys, that was a great, fun time. Um, just those teams always fell short. So if he can come back here and, you know, be a part of a championship run and maybe accomplish a, a back-to-back championship run and success uh, and getting some jewelry on his hand would be uh, a hell of a ride-off in the sunset for him. I would love it. I love Justin Houston. Always have. Never been in any bad blood for me, man. I love that guy to death. I think he's a ring of honor kind of guy, if he, especially if he comes back here and, and you know even has if we fall short of a championship but have a great run with him. I, th- I think he's a, arguably a ring of honor guy right up there with the guys like Tom Holly who impacted this defensive line uh, the way these guys did. Um, so I do I do like the the idea of that happening. Um, would love that. Um, OBJ is a no brainer for me. Um, I love OBJ. I love his personality. You can see annoying sometimes, which he is. I mean, but a lot of these a lot of these superstar players like that they have an abundance of confidence you know what i mean so guys like that are gonna be you, you hate them when they're not on your team but you love that guy when he's on your team you absolutely love that guy and what he can contribute even with his bad knees and his history of injuries if he's healthy he's going to be contributing he always has uh so him in the slot for this offense would be an insane um him after the catch would be insane in this offense and and, and just think about it. I'm just going to lump D-Hop right into this conversation with OBJ. If you get both of these guys, imagine what that would do for this locker room with these young receivers, with the guys like Sky Moore, what they, what he can learn from those two guys. You know what I mean? The the, the knowledge that those guys would give Sky Moore and, and, and you know boost his confidence and boost his trajectory and his his young career, um, especially after coming off a Super Bowl victory, you know, how, how to sustain that, sustain that kind of success uh, for him. Uh, uh, he's had six, higher success than those guys have in their career, other than OBJ obviously winning a champ as well. But D Hop hasn't hasn't had that yet, so I think that would be a cool thing um, to bring both those guys in. D Hop especially, I've been on the D Hop train this, even before last season ended. I was wanting to trade for him last season. I've been wanting that guy for a while. Um, having his hands, his uh, his fifty fifty ball, um, his catch radius, his abilities to get up and get them in the red zone, and just absolutely uh, uh, um, you know moss guys out there. Um, he can make a. a <laughs> A 50-50 ball looked more like a you know a 90-10. The guy's incredible, um, absolute Hall of Fame talent, elite talent. Still one of the best receivers in this league. He's absolutely not only a top 20. I believe he's a top 10, 15 guy in this league. Still, I 100% believe that. Um, he yeah he's, he is aging, but you got to understand he did take some time off last season. Uh, this previous season he missed half the year last year, so that's some you know his legs aren't. I don't think there's nearly as much tread on his legs as people want to believe. Um, and I still think the guy is absolutely incredible. And he would, I mean, you, we, people were excited to sign Josh Gordon here. You fucking kidding me? You can go get a guy that's maybe a year or two older than him and is absolutely a Hall of Fame talent at that, at that position. So 100% sign me up uh, um, for, for D-Hop, man. It's not, even, it's not even a question for him. I've been, I've been on that train since I can remember. So, um, and you laid out the stats with the guys he's played with, the guys that have thrown him the ball. I mean, imagine getting balls from Pat, and imagine being schemed into an offense with by Andy Reid. Right. With and to, uh, no one is better at scheming and utilizing and, and displaying the skill sets of each individual player than Andy Reid. It's not even close. Maybe Kyle Shanahan, uh, uh, maybe guys like that that can you know that know how to utilize their <coughs> the skill sets of the individual. But Andy Reid would would absolutely have a heyday with a guy like that with his size, his skills, and his speed in his hands. He's the full package. He's the prototypical full package at a receiver. Um, so I'm all I'm on board for that. Um, Orlando Brown Jr. This is the one where I have I, I'm okay 
with both ways. I'm okay if we let him walk. I'm okay if we let him walk, and I because that's that shows my trust in Brett Veach and Andy Reid to find maybe a veteran and draft a guy at the same time. Maybe find you know uh, um, a situation where we can bring in another veteran. Uh, um, and, and then also draft his replacement, have him kind of mentor him and then be ready for next season or the seasons to come, possibly. I don't mind that either. Because we have a lot of house money. We have a lot of, uh, uh, um, we can kind of rest on the idea that we just won a Super Bowl. But I also would, would also be right on board with, with paying him what the market is demanding for his position and his skill set and where the, the market believes he is uh, worth. Um, so I'm okay with that as well. So... I like Orlando Brown. He's grown on me uh, the past couple seasons. I didn't. I was not convinced he's the guy. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure if. Uh, I think. I think Veach and Bre- uh, and uh, Andy Reid believe he is the guy, but uh, there is a there's money. There's you know this is this is a business at the end of the day, and I I think you know they they've got to come to a happy medium here. They've got to come to a, um, the Chiefs are going to have to pay up. A, I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to have to pay up if they want to keep him here because, like you said, the market is going to demand it. Um, if he if we don't pay him, someone else will. Um, so I, I am okay though with, with either path. I, I think if, if they want to go elsewhere, let him walk and try to figure it out with another veteran or just drafting someone else. I know drafting a rookie, uh, a left tackle is not ideal. We can always move guys around. We can always put, you know, Joe Tooney, the left tackle, which is not what we want, but he's done it before and he's filled in very, very well. Um, I don't know, but I do trust, like you said, your, your t-shirt and V tree trust, right? Yeah. So I, I do, I do trust the process. If we do decide to go the uh, walk the other way with, with, uh, Orlando Brown, but I do think it is the better move to keep him here, to pay him. He has an incredible relationship with Pat. They're very close. That matters. He's been incredible in the postseason when he's played. He was incredible in the Super Bowl against arguably the best defensive line. Everyone was touting them as the best defensive line in football. Zero sacks. And that, that, that it goes across the line, the whole entire offensive line there, so kudos to them. But he, you know, protecting Pat's blind side with the, the pressures that the, that Eagles defense uh, 70 plus sacks this past season, you know, and then they allowed zero. Um, and then the, the little to no pressures he allowed from this, his side. So you gotta, you gotta pay those kind of guys. Um, and I believe the chiefs will pay him. I think we will find a way to get him here. Um, the fact that we didn't tag him has a lot of people thinking that he's gone, which I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. That is, that is not the best sign, uh, because typically you'll tag him and then you'll figure out a deal. Like we thought we were going to do last year. It didn't happen. That fell through. But I do think I do think we figure out a way to keep him here. But if we don't, I'm not panicking. Um, but I would like I think me personally, I'm, he's grown on me. I believe that he is the guy for the future for at least the next four or five years. And I think you pay those guys. I'll start with Orlando Brown. Uh, I feel like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to either pay him or find a way, like you say, trade for a. For a, a top tier left tackle, because we cannot rely on the draft. Yeah, we can find top tier talent on the draft, second, third round. Veach is uh, very well known to find talent down in the in the mid rounds, late rounds. Uh, but but that's a big, big, big gamble. Uh, it's a lot of money. Uh, it's a lot of money. But at the same time, you got to ask yourself the question of how much, how much. Uh, is, is Patrick Holmes worth to you pretty much that, that's essentially what you're doing you're trying to protect his his blind side uh, I know a lot of people would like to 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 uh, point out the pressures point out the all that stuff but at the end of the day is how many sacks is he giving up uh, pressures everybody's gonna give up give up pressures uh, 
I, I, he, he did struggle at the beginning of the season. Uh, obviously, we were all very uh, critique in that in that aspect. Uh, we we critiqued him. Uh, we we said what we had to say about it. Uh, at the end of the day, you got to see what's out there. And at, at, in the left tackle market this season, I think Orlando Brown is potentially the best available left tackle that, that that's out there uh there's left tackles out there but are they to the same level as orlando brown or are they are they are they worse like what what are we doing you know so at the end of the day it comes down to how much is patrick mahomes worth to you uh so you have to spend in order to protect mahomes in, in any aspect so to me it's a no-brainer it, it's pay orlando brown obviously i hope he does take like a team-friendly kind of deal uh, where it doesn't hurt the team as much, and they're still able to go out there and and do uh, uh, other business elsewhere uh, with uh, the needs that they need, especially in defense. Uh, so I, I do think that the Chiefs uh, will bring him back. I don't think he's might. I don't think he will get top top two, top three money. I don't think the Chiefs will will give him that, but they will give him uh, a pretty good. Uh, some so that's 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 where i see the orlando brown situation in uh we have to bring him back we have to protect patrick mahomes in any way we can and that's the best available in this moment unless we trade for somebody deandre hopkins you guys are very well aware of my, uh my standing with this uh with this thing uh you guys are all about bringing D Hop and and doing all this and that with D Hop, I just don't see it. I, I don't see the money working out. Uh, we would have to uh, rework his deal, do some kind of a contract extension, do do some kind of do some kind of thing with that. Especially with Orlando Brown, if we're trying to sign Orlando Brown, it, it's just it's hard for me uh, to see the Chiefs trading. For an aging wide receiver, like you said, Chiefs don't 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 really sign anybody over the age of twenty eight unless they're like that unicorn. Uh, so we'll we'll see with that. I mean, I'm 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 not hoping for it. I'm not like if if it happens, it happens. I'm okay with it. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but I'm not somebody that's out here advocating for it to happen. Uh, I, I just. I don't like the move for Patrick Mahomes, if that makes any sense. Uh, this would go back to uh, how it was with Tyreek Hill in, the, in his last year here. I know Tyreek Hill is a monster, and I know him and, and Patrick Mahomes had a had a big, big, big connection. But if you if you go back that year, uh, uh, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill's last year, he created a lot of. Uh, a lot of bad choices for Patrick Mahomes. He was so comfortable with Tyreek Hill that he was forcing the ball way too much towards Tyreek Hill, uh, and we saw it at the uh, at the uh, at the AFC Championship game, the last play before the uh, the last play which ended in an interception. He could have went somewhere else, and he decided to go with Tyreek with that deep ball. Uh, obviously, you trust Patrick Mahomes to do to do that kind of thing to take those kind of gambles, but I think it puts. Uh, it puts Patrick Mahomes in a bad uh, situation where he starts forcing the ball to to the best receiver out there. So if he comes here, I, I know DeAndre Hopkins is going to get over a thousand yards. That, that's a no brainer for me. I don't think he's going to get anything below that. Uh, 
for the simple fact that Patrick Holmes is going to feed him the ball. He's going to he's going to he's going to be the top target. He's going to be are, up there. He's going to be up there with Travis are, Kelsey. Are the Chiefs a better team with DeAndre Hopkins? I don't know. You don't know? Like, mm-hmm. if they stayed just as it is, right? let's say Juju's gone. Who do you think? And they bring more, Kadarius Tony, and who do you think? I wouldn't say they're they're way better. Who do you think would... is better, OBJ or D-Hop? OBJ or D-Hop? Yeah. Uh, D-Hop, because he, he's, so, he's... Okay, but were the Rams better with OBJ last year when he was in the offense? Well, he wasn't, he wasn't playing last year. What do you mean? The year before. Oh, the year, yeah. talking about the year before. When they won the Super Bowl? They were better with him, right? A little bit better. So, uh, so I mean, if he if the Rams were that much better, he made that much more of a contender when he was on them. And but D Hop's even better than OBJ. OBJ would one hundred percent make this offense better for the Chiefs. Well, and also That's, just just a little yeah, and just a little segment or segue to what you were saying about his contract and having to rework it. The beautiful thing is whoever trades for DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have to pay his cap hit because everyone was worried about that twenty seven point whatever million cap hit. They wouldn't have to pay that. All they had to pay is the nineteen million this season, and then fifteen million next season. And for the value of the player at his magnitude, that is an absolute steal. Just real quick, um, who's who's the better receiver between him and Kenny Galladay? Okay, D Hop. Uh, who's the better receiver, him or Christian Kirk? Oh yeah, him. Him or Deontay Johnson? Him. Him or Michael Thomas? Him. Him or Brandon Cooks? Him. Him or Chris Godwin? Him. Him or Amari Cooper? Him. Him or Mike Williams? Him. Him or Keenan Allen? Him. Him or DJ Moore? Him. Him or Terry McLaurin? Him. Him or DK Metcalf? Him. All of them are making more money on on an annual basis than DeAndre Hopkins by a substantial margin. Uh, Everywhere is from 18.5 to 24 million a year. You're getting him on 17 million a year. None of those guys are Hall of Fame players, at least at this point. He's a Hall of Famer. At this point. The point I'm making is. I understand what you're saying about the aging aspect, and that is a legitimate concern, and his injury concerns. Mm -hmm. Get it. The point I'm making, though, is is that if he was the guy that was coming in to simply, you have to have him produce at a high level where this offense isn't going to work, and the whole Tyreek Hill thing, the fact of the matter is is two things. You're 100% right. 2021 was a rougher year than most because it wasn't easy for the Chiefs as opposed to the year before where the Chiefs were just running through everybody and went 14-1 and in the regular season with Patrick Mahomes as the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. But it was difficult, and they had to adjust some things because Patrick Mahomes talked about how he just relying on Tyreek Hill going deep, throw it deep, all this other stuff. Stylistically, DeAndre and Tyreek are significantly different. And two, even with the problems the Chiefs had in 2021 with Tyreek Hill, you just said it. They lost in the AFC Championship in a game they hosted. They were up 21-3 in that game, which means they choked the game away. And even on that throw you're talking about, it hit Tyreek Hill in the hands. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about worst-case scenario. The Chiefs were struggling, which was true to their own standard, in a game they should have won to go to their third straight Super Bowl. That's the point I'm making, is that if you bring a guy like DeAndre Hopkins to the equation— Maybe that is what happens. And no offense, Tyreek. But that's the worst case scenario. D Hop catches that ball. Exactly. Like, <laughs> as great as Tyreek is, that ball. my God, do I love Tyreek. Yeah. Tyreek right now is probably a better overall receiver than DeAndre Hopkins. More dynamic. Yeah, I would say he's right now better, right? Just slightly yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. But DeAndre Hopkins has significantly better hands, and he's about four inches taller, mm-hmm. about the same uh, pounds wise, but. A better route runner. He's a better overall route runner. Yes. His route tree. Yes. That was always what Tyreek's knock was. He didn't have a great route tree. He's gotten better as the years have gone he's on. He's so dynamic and fast. But he's so fucking fast, yeah. and he's so good when he has the ball in his hands mm-hmm. that it kind of over. 
It, it, it is, nobody really cares about the rest of the shit. Yeah. With DeAndre Hopkins, he's a more complete receiver. This is something that Patrick Rolls has never had. The closest he's ever had to this is a Juju Smith-Schuster or a Sammy Watkins, and neither one of those guys even touch his jock strap. So that's the only defense I'm making for DeAndre Hopkins when it comes to that comparison. Does that, that make sense, what I'm saying? So didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to throw that out there. From the totals, like I said, when it comes to value, because we both know, we all know, Brett Veach is always looking for valued commodities. When you look at the top 20 receivers in the league, he's making substantially less money on these next two years than well, any of these and guys. Pers- and narrative matters, too. The personal the personal motivation D-Hop would have coming to this team, wanting to achieve what he hasn't achieved all his career. He has a Hall of His, his statistics are going to be Hall of Fame worthy. If he goes and gets a ring with the Chiefs and has 1,200 yards and like 12, 13 touchdowns, he's 100% getting a jacket. Right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, how motivating would that be for him? And they say he signs a couple years here, stays here for two, three years, finishes off his career here, and has multiple runs to the Super Bowl, and gets one or two. That would be 100% the best possible scenario for him. Granted, there are other teams he could go to, but I think D-Hop to the Chiefs would be the best scenario for him personally. And then the last point I was going to make on D-Hop, yeah. it, 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 no, it, it's, it does not depend on him. It depends on where the Cardinals sure. want him to go to. And I think... They're not going to want to make a team better uh, to have better chances to win a Super Bowl. Mm, That's not not about the NFC, though. Not according to reports. According to reports, they do want to work out a deal. And I'll find the link so I can prove it to you. But according to reports, the Cardinals Uh, do want to facilitate a trade that works for DeAndre Hopkins as well. Yeah, they want to honor They have respect for him. They have no bad blood. It's not like they're trying to fuck him over. It's like the Chiefs with Tyreek. Yeah, and you're not going to get. It'd be one thing if like the if the Cardinals were looking at a situation with a 24 year old DeAndre Hopkins, like, all right, we got to get a first first rounder. We got to get a first rounder out of him. That's a different scenario because then you're just going to the highest. But when you're trying to get DeAndre Hopkins off your books and you know where he's at in his career and you know that he's never really won anything and just didn't work out here, if you can get a second round pick out of him, you're taking that, regardless of who the suitor is. You know what I mean? Like, because DeAndre Hopkins, how many teams right now that would trade for DeAndre Hopkins are a DeAndre Hopkins away from winning the Super Bowl? Not like not. we're hearing about the no, Patriots, we're hearing about the Patriots, the Bears, maybe the Jets if they get a Aaron Rodgers. Maybe, maybe that would be a scenario, but they already have their number one receiver sure. in Garrett Wilson, so I don't know if they're going to go that route. But sure. the point is, the point I'm making is how many like the Patriots? They're not a DeAndre Hopkins away from winning the Super right. Bowl. The Bears surely aren't away uh, DeAndre Hopkins away from winning the Super Bowl. Uh, there's other teams that I've maybe heard the about. Bengals that are the if Knicks. they can't pay T Higgins, yeah, oh God, that would be a yeah. I don't see that happening. Their cap structure is really yeah, bad for right sure. now. For sure. But the point I'm making is none of those teams that you list right now outside of the Chiefs would win a Super Bowl because they added DeAndre Hopkins. And the beautiful thing about the Chiefs is they've already proven that even without a number one receiver, they still can win. So that's even more incentive for DeAndre Hopkins to come to Kansas City and for a team to bring him to Kansas City. No, I, at the end of the day, I think it all comes down to what the Cardinals want and what they want in in, in return. Yeah. Uh, I, I, DeAndre Hopkins has, has no say on that. I'm sure he wants to come to Kansas City. I'm sure everybody wants him to come to Kansas City. But at the end of the day, it, it all it, it all depends on what the Cardinals uh, do get for him and and what the market out there so is for him. If so you, if you had a second round, if we trade our second round, would you trade our second round pick for D Hop? No. Hmm. All right. So you so you're of the belief that the second round pick would mean more to the Chiefs next season than DeAndre Hopkins? Defensive wise, could potentially be better. Well, I mean, I don't hate. I don't, I don't, I'm not. I'm not like. I don't think you're really wrong. There's no wrong or right answer there. I think we could absolutely. Dude, the second round is the sweet spot. Second, yeah. third round is the sweet spot for, for, for Veach. So I get that. But if we, like, say we trade up into the second round, 
and we move things around. We have an extra second round pick out of nowhere or something. We move around and then we trade that other second round pick for a D hop. I'm all on board. Well, for and that. the fact that the Chiefs have the 31st overall pick before that second round pick even comes about, we can trade back into the gives second. that gives. There's a little more flexibility with trading that second round pick. Right. Like in 2018, when the Chiefs traded for Frank Clark, that second round pick. The reason why Breland speaks was such a terrible pick wasn't just because it was Brett Veach's first pick right. ever. It was the fact that you didn't have a first round pick to protect it. If they would have had a, if they still would have had a first round pick, and let's say they got a Frank Clark in the draft or something like that, and then you went and got Breland Speaks, it's bad, but it's not as bad because the magnitude wasn't sitting on that pick. The fact that the Chiefs already have a pick ahead of this one, I think the second round pick is like sixty three overall. Mm-hmm. The fact you have the thirty first, and you can do, let's say the Chiefs go get a stud edge rusher at thirty one or trade up, whatever the case is, whatever they do. That's going to take away from the second. Because then you say, hey, Chiefs has got one of the three best edge rushers in the draft, and they traded that second-round pick to DeAndre Hopkins. Holy shit, this team's better. Like That's what I'm looking at as opposed to, hey, they got a stud edge rusher, one of the three best, 31, and they also just went and took a linebacker with the second that second-round pick. Like I'd be happy about it, and I would be hopeful about it, but comparing adding a rookie linebacker or another corner as opposed to adding DeAndre Hopkins, like... The magnitude is way different, and I look at this team as a win-now team. Sure, you could develop that corner or linebacker or other defensive lineman that you bring in the second round into a guy that helps you win, but what helps the Chiefs win more right now? DeAndre Hopkins or a rookie defensive uh, back or defensive lineman? I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins because, like Trevor said, the motivation of what he needs to do, the fucking fact that this is one of the ten best receivers in football still to this day, and giving Patrick Mahomes, that's the whole emphasis here. Yeah. Giving Patrick Mahomes just that little extra. You know what I mean? Because sure, Sky Moore can turn into something. Kadarius Tony has all the potential of turning into something. But are they really going to be a DeAndre Hopkins? I don't see it yet. So that's actually something I wanted to segue before we get to the Eddie Hour. Because I actually posted a poll on our Facebook and Twitter pages that asked the question, who do you see taking the biggest step this next season? Sky Moore or Kadarius Tony? Hmm. Now you know my answer. Kadarius Tony, I think, without question, is the has the highest upside. I think to this point has been the more proven commodity, makes more dynamic plays, all that stuff, right? Where we've seen Sky Moore have some rookie mistakes, punt muffing punts, things like that. Maybe not really getting into the offense as much as you'd like to see him get into the offense. But both, ironically, did score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, which was awesome. On the same play, just flipped. Kadarius Tony, I think, is going to be probably the better player and already is, but that's not the question. See, the question was intentionally worded the way it was to see what people were if people were actually trying to pay attention to what the question is. Who takes the biggest step forward next season? Because of the fact that two things: one, Kadarius Tony is a guy that we know is uber talented, but also deals with a lot of injury concerns. So I don't know if I can get. 15 to 17 games out of Kadarius Tony next season. I don't know that. So it's going to be hard for me to see him taking a massive step forward if he isn't available. Second of all, what was the remember the remember the draft comp that we got from Sky Moore when he was coming out and the Chiefs drafted him out of Western Michigan? It was Golden Tate. Yeah. Which is perfect. perfect. This is I ain't gonna lie to you guys. This 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 tripped me out because at first I was like, oh, is that the kind of like, I don't know if I wanted to be Golden Tate. I wanted to be better. Obviously, we always like you know Shout you want your players Golden to be Tate. better. But Golden Tate actually had a very solid career yeah. uh, in his in his NFL career, and actually the comparisons between the two players in their rookie years are eerily similar. For instance, Golden Tate in his rookie season had 39 targets for 21 receptions, 227 yards, and 212 return yards. 
Sky Moore had 33 targets for 22 receptions, 250 yards, and 136 return yards. It is almost literally a carbon copy of each other. And then Golden Tate went on to have a very successful career. Guys, I think it's going to be Sky Moore that has the, the bigger step forward. Could, I think Kadarius Tony will probably, in, in, in the sample size he plays, will be the better, more impactful receiver. But as who I'm seeing taking a bigger step forward this next season is actually going to be Sky Moore. Trevor, what are your thoughts? I mean, it, I'm still going to say Kadarius Tony just because he, he doesn't have much of a sample size either. You know what I mean? He bar he's barely played his NFL career. Um, I think he has by far the bigger season. I think it's going to be overwhelmingly better than Sky Moore. I like Sky Moore a lot too, but not, this does say we do get D Hop or, or an OBJ. That's going to hinder the production that Sky Moore is going to get already because I believe Kadarius Tony's already solidified himself as a, a main piece in this offense, especially if Nicole Hardman is officially out of here. I think that makes it even much more uh, a solidified uh, spot for, for Kadarius Tony, what he's going to do. I think So I think. I think his stats are going to dwarf uh, Sky Moore's this next season, uh, barring health. But I'm not going to use health as a caveat. I mean, I'm just going to go by what I think these guys are, what their their role is going to be. And as far as the next step, I mean, their their production. I mean, obviously, Kadarius was an immediate impact player when he came here. Obviously, he scored you know immediately, multiple touchdowns. Uh, did get banged up towards the end of the year, but obviously they both scored in the Super Bowl. Um, I think Kadarius Tony is, is the better player. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I think he's he off, he's perfect for this offense. Andy Reid uh, likes those kind of guys. I do love Sky Moore as well. I think I, I love him for what he's going to be in this offense. I think he's going to be a really good like slot kind of guy, good after the catch, just like Golden Tate was, special teamer, um, really good hands. Uh, uh, is very good at beating the cover too, good at beating the press, very fast off the break. Um, so I love those kind of guys. Those are those are kind of guys that are needed. But I don't think he's going to be like a specialty player like like Kadarius is. I think Kadarius is going to be. There's going to be so many packages for Kadarius with in rounds, jet sweeps, uh, different different plays drawn up specifically for him, like we did for Tyreek and, and McCole. Um, I don't think um, I don't think Sky is that really that guy. Other than I mean, obviously we had the 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 drawn up play for him. He was absolutely just ridiculously wide open in the Super Bowl on that play. That play was obviously a kind of a broken play, which is hilarious. Uh, but it ended up working out. Um, and they were in the wrong formation. But uh, I do. Th I still think it's going to be overwhelmingly Tony that has the better year and takes the even much more of a bigger step next season than what we saw because the sample size was still pretty small in the regular season this past season. Yeah. Uh, so I still think there's a lot more to build upon for Tony there. So I'm going to go with Tony. Before I be before I say my answer, I'm going to read Shaggy Shane's uh, comment here. Uh, James Palmer from the NFL Network said that said this week that Tony will be the Chiefs' number one right, number one wide receiver next season. Palmer isn't one to throw that information out to the public unless he knows something. Yeah, he, he does know something. He knows that in order to get more resources or more source material from the Chiefs, you have to put stuff out there like that. This is all a game. You have to understand, Adam Schefter, the reason why he always ends up getting these scoops on Aaron Rodgers is because of what he did for Aaron Rodgers three years ago when they drafted Jordan Love. Does everybody forget about these things? Like these guys, these reporters, don't just one day wake up or grow out of the ground and have all this, There's all these strategy. connections. There's strategy to it. They have to do favors so they can get favors, so they yeah. can get scoops. That's how these guys make it. Yeah. So when it comes to what Jordan Paul, is there any, is there any coincidence that it's 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 Palmer, James Palmer, that's the ones coming out with this? When James Palmer's been the one that's been in direct connection with the Chiefs over the last three or five years. He's been on. He's been on one on the sidelines. He's been the one interviewing Frank Clark and all the cool uh, quotes he's gotten. I'm not sitting here saying the Chiefs aren't big on Kadarius Tony. Obviously they are. They traded multiple picks to go and get him. The point I'm making though is, 
I don't buy the fact that because of that report, the Chiefs aren't in the market for a DeAndre Hopkins or an Odell Beckham Jr. Because if that wasn't the case, why were they at Odell Beckham Jr.'s event yesterday? They were literally at his practice in Arizona. Mm-hmm. If they're not interested, if they're sitting pat and just wait, waiting for Gadarius Tony to turn into the next Antonio Brown on the field, then why are they out there looking for guys? Why are they the betting odds favored to get DeAndre Hopkins? Somebody knows something. James Palmer's putting that out there to lower the market for some of these guys they're looking for. Because if people don't know that the Chiefs are adamantly out there knocking on the door for these guys, the market's not going to shoot up. Because if people know the teams like the Super Bowl champion Chiefs are in it for this guy, the market value goes up. That's how this stuff goes. Mm-hmm. So I'm not shocked by that report, but I also don't believe it. Neither does James Palmer. Neither do the Chiefs. That's a hit piece. That's put out there to do business. Did you guys hear anything about the Panthers moving up eight spots to get that number one pick? Nope. You know why? Because they didn't want people to know. It's all smoke and mirrors. This is how the game is played. You think Game of Thrones just came up as in itself? No. Writers write this stuff based on things we do in reality. We get cool little you know, twists and turns through reality, through experience. How do you think Brett Veach is so good at what he does? He puts shit out there like this. Critic uh, has the opinion he has on Brett Veach and the Chiefs and the way they build their organization based upon the relationship they have. Well, I'll say this. I think if we don't get OBJ or DHOP, he will be the number one. I think I think Tony will be the number one receiver next year if we don't have D Hop or OBJ. Yeah, if they if they whiff on even, everything even and they Juju. don't draft a even guy, with, that's even gonna, if we bring back yeah. Juju, I think Tony's the best number one option. That's a scary thought. I think you guys would agree so. with that, I mean, right? A guy that's, healthy, that's unreliable yeah. health wise. Sure. I mean, yeah. he's let's be real. We all love Kadarius Tony here. Wouldn't you agree? Like he's an insane talent. I am. A, I'm. I'm a, love fan, the I'm a fan. I'm a fanboy. I liked him when he was with the Giants. I liked him in Florida. Yeah. Man, I've, I've I was stoked when we got him. And it would be so. a lot cheaper yeah. if he did become the wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. But we can't say at this time and in this place. Let's just put all the chips in the Kadarius Tony camp. That's not how this works. No, and I don't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But I'm saying if. All those things happen and we don't acquire anyone else or bring back Juju or anything like that. Even if Juju is here, I still think he will be the number one option. But outside of guys like Tyreek, Andy Reid tends to spread the ball around a lot. And we did that this year. Twelve different guys got a touchdown. See what I'm year. saying? So there's not there doesn't necessarily I mean, outside of Kelsey being the number one target every week, yeah. there doesn't necessarily have to be a number of watch true wide why receiver one. The only reason you're in the camps, the, the only reason you're in the camps for D Hop and OBJ is because they're special. Yes. We talk about the unicorns. Chiefs are in the market for guys that are special. They know what they have at, at Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore and MVS. They know what they have. But those guys aren't all-time talents. But they know they can still. Do, yeah, they talents. know they can still do better. We also have to remember something because there's been a lie at the national level of people saying, "Well, the Chiefs couldn't afford Tyreek Hill because of Patrick Mahomes' contract." <laughs> that is 100 false. Yeah. If the Chiefs wanted to, they could have given De- Tyreek Hill the exact contract he got from Miami. They could have afforded that, but the other sacrifices would have had to been made, and they wouldn't have had the five draft picks they got out of the trade, which ended up paying dividends for the Chiefs. Oh, we won that one. So the point I'm trying to make is if the Chiefs want to do something, mm-hmm. they're going to do it. And I have to believe that James Palmer Report is something they wanted to put out there to fish for reaction to see how things are going to go. Because what do you know? After that report came out, we also started hearing about DeAndre Hopkins saying he's flexible. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And the Cardinals may not get what they want. So this is a game being played, guys. I'm telling you. Would it honestly shock you if we found out the Chiefs got DeAndre Hopkins for a third and a fifth? No. It would shock me. Because if the Patriots fall out, if the Bears fall out, if if teams start falling out of the market for DeAndre Hopkins, 
His value lessens. And all of a sudden, it's not a second-round pick you're looking for. All of a sudden, you're looking for a fourth. Uh, we don't want to give you one of our fourths. We'll give you a third and a conditional fifth. All right, sign me up. That's it. That's how it works, man. It's business. Uh, so Shaggy did say that he is in the market for D-Hop, uh, but he is willing to trade a fifth-round pick for D-Hop. That's not right now as that currently stands. The Cardinals are going to hang up on you. Yeah. That you're not going to get you. You can't get a talent like DeAndre Hopkins on a 17 million a year contract for a fifth round pick. Now again, to my point of what I was just saying, if the market continues to fall, which I don't think it's going to fall that far, I still think they're going to get at worst a third round pick out of DeAndre Hopkins. Then you're then you're talking about. I think the Patriots are going to yeah. go after him hard just because they're most likely not going to have Jacoby Myers who's gone as well. So he's a perfect yeah. replacement guy to come in and play that role. Yeah. So. And that's another thing about DeAndre Hopkins. Does he? Because again, oh, yeah. the Cardinals are in conversations with DeAndre about what he wants. Mm-hmm. So does he want to go to the Patriots? If that's the case, then he's going to go to the Patriots. Yeah, go catch some Mac Jones. But balls. if he wants to go to the Chiefs, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> that it's going to happen. At the end of the day, he has no final say in that. I get it. I understand. My There's point though is the Cardinals though. are a franchise right now that are in shambles. Mm-hmm. They want to get some good yeah, PR they, out there. They want to get some good Eddie, picks. What I'm saying though is, if you get the same pick from the Chiefs, you can the Patriots, and he wants to go to the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He's, you're sending him to the Chiefs because you have to remember a guy like DeAndre Hopkins has cachet in this league. If other free agents the Cardinals what? want in the future are friends with DeAndre Hopkins, and he said, "Yeah, they screwed me. Yeah. I said I want to go to the Chiefs. They sent me to the yeah. Patriots." You think you're signing with the Cardinals? Let, let let's let's say that uh, they both the Chiefs and the Patriots uh, want to trade a second round pick. Who do you think the Cardinals are going to pick? The team that DeAndre Hopkins wants to go to. I literally was just yeah, saying it's the that. same deal. It's if it's the same exact situation, well, I would take I would like, take the sooner pick. Well, just like because remember, a higher pick. Well, just like remember how Tyreek well, had had okay. a choice between the Jets and the, and the Dolphins. The Jets had a package put together, which obviously wasn't as good of a deal, but it was, they were pretty similar deals. We we're going to get a lot of picks back from the Jets or the Dolphins, and we let Tyreek obviously wanted to be closer to home, closer to family, be go down to South in, in Miami area, so yeah. we let him choose the Dolphins. He basically chose the Dolphins. Yeah, you know, the, the Jets could have given us a better package. Right, that's what I'm saying. The like, Chiefs. Yeah. They could have got a better a better pick, multiple better picks. Mm-hmm. It, it, it could have worked better for the Chiefs, but, he, but they said, you go find the place you want to go, and we'll, we'll facilitate that trade in good faith. Mm-hmm. Just like Matthew Stafford. Where do you want to go? Oh, yeah. I just hung out with Sean McVay in, the, in Naples, Florida, or wherever vacation spot they went. I want to go to the Rams. Traded him to the Rams. Yeah. There and are, that's in the NFC. There are gentlemen agreements in the league. Yes, still, man. It's still, it's still a thing. I just, I don't know. I don't know if they're 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 seeing eye to eye, especially after that PED suspension. Bro, I can uh, literally I show know. you the articles that came out from the reporters that are stating the Cardinals want to do right by DeAndre Hopkins. He came back and balled out for him as much as he could this season. Maybe. And you, we forget in twenty. Go look at his numbers in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. He put up big numbers for the Cardinals, man. He was one of their consistent pieces. And, and it's very toxic environment and a team that was up and down constantly. Mm-hmm. He helped them get to the playoffs. Kyler Ray just shit his pants in the playoffs. That's DeAndre Hopkins was one of the consistent pieces on this. And he's never had it, and DeAndre Hopkins has never in his career had a consistent uh, 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 situation where it's just you know there's no toxicity. Him coming to the Chiefs would literally. And I'm not even saying it because I'm a Chiefs fan. It would be the best scenario because this is the best locker room, best situation for any. Skilled player like that to come into, especially well, one who's to that report. We're not the best locker room. Yeah, yeah well, they can <laughs> eat a whole bag of them. Yeah, it's just funny how like none of the star players were made aware of this poll. It's just funny how that worked. Yeah, all of our players seem very, very, uh, very sad about that. <laughs> very sad. Yeah. Um, the fuck were you talking about? Ob. There's Obj, and then there was Justin Houston. I think the last two. 
No, but we, you moved on. I was talking about Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. Oh, who do I, who do I anticipate okay. is going to have the bigger step forward this yeah. this next season? Yeah, he didn't let me finish. But <laughs> he just moved on with them. Uh, but uh, we don't care. About yeah, those. I guess not. <laughs> I'm just going to say Sky Moore. Uh, just for the fact that we we know what we can get out of Kadarius Tony. Uh, we don't know what we still can get out of Sky Moore. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's still. I think, I, I think I, yeah, I think Kadarius Tony has shown us what he yeah, can do he when he's healthy. But, but I'm saying when he's healthy, I think we know what Kadarius Tony he can is. Be wide receiver one. Yeah, I think we know. I, we have no doubt about yeah. that. Do we know With, anything about Sky Moore? Right I now? think Sky Moore. We have. We haven't seen much. He he barely caught his first touchdown in the Super Bowl. And I mean, the, I don't know if there's a reason why or anything, but I think. Bigger step. I don't think there, there's a bigger step that Kadarius Tony can take other, other than, than stay healthy. healthy. Exactly. Uh, no, so he the, hasn't. He I guess you got to listen to the to to the actual meaning behind the words. If that that's makes what sense. I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't think you're describing his expectations. That's not what this is, though. Expect you can have expectations for a guy, but they have to. They have to meet those first. Too. Right. No, no, no. Take, take, yeah. take, supersede no. the steps. Who has the higher steps? Yeah, no, but I, but I he think he obviously has higher expectations for sure. Yeah, and, and I think he's shown that he's the better receiver between the both. We're not going to debate here right. that who's for sure. So that's why Sky Moore taking that next step. It's it's a much bigger step than Kadarius Tony taking right. that next step. If that makes sense, like it's not that the expectations change. It's yeah. that uh, Sky Moore. Next step is it can be much bigger than Kadarius Tony because Kadarius Tony, there's not much. For him to grow, if that makes so sense. So, Kadarius Tone becomes the wide receiver one next year, has over 1,000, 1,100 yards and like 10 touchdowns, becomes the wide receiver one. But, but, but Sky Moore is a solid wide, but receiver, still, wide receiver three for this yeah. offense. He supersedes his expectations. A wide receiver three, three is not a step up for Sky Moore. No, 100% oh. it is. No, He's no. Like the wide receiver four or five this Name year. Me, maybe. Okay, so right now, it's currently standing. The, you're going to tell me right now that Sky Moore right now isn't the default wide receiver three? Well, this is this is what this is my scenario that I'm giving. Right? You. How is that a step up though? Because, we already know what he is right now. Well, we have to compare it to last season. Right. That's yeah. all we can compare. But it to. you do you do know that Sky Moore technically had more yards last season than Kadarius Tony did. Well, no shit. Yeah. Kadarius Tony play, barely played last year. That, that's, 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 that's that's what I'm building up yeah. on though, Trevor. My argument is, it, is that Kadarius Tony has more talent than Sky Moore. Yeah, so it, Sky Moore's expectations should be higher. No, 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 no. I think you're you're mixing up expectations with the next step. Like who's gonna be who's gonna have a, a not a better season, yeah. not a better wide receiver, not none no, of that. No, because no. we who's gonna better, who's gonna get a bigger step in their development as so, a receiver? The, the development. Yeah. Yes. Because Kadarius Tony to me is already yeah. like talking a development. Yeah. No, no. But, but that's what he always. We're talking about the stepping up as a player. Like you, you know, like when you see like a growth like Josh Allen. Remember in like 2019, you're like, yeah. God, he looks like fucking this, lost. And then 2020, yeah. whoa, he just yeah. took a massive step up. This, he all of a sudden became like a top tier. So, 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 no, what does Tony have to do to in order to say that oh, he took the bigger step? I would say, well, the scenario you presented was him getting like 1,100 yards and like seven, eight touchdowns, right? Yeah. Like that, yeah. that'd, that'd be a massive step up for Tony because what? So now we're talking because he take a massive step up as a player, it's his health. If Kadarius Tony played all we're 17 just, games, which hold on, no, I'm not, no, Trevor. You yeah, got to hear yeah, what I'm actually saying. I know what if you're Darius Tony played all 17 games, that would shock you, correct? No. It wouldn't shock you if Kadarius Tony played all 17 games next season. I mean, it would. I, I, I guess it would be impressive, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't be like shocked if he played Trevor, the whole he's season. He played like 14 games in two seasons. Yeah, but he was a healthy scratch a lot of those games in in New York. 
He won 100 Not according to him. He was talking about having hamstring injuries, things of that nature. Okay, sure. The point I'm trying to make is, if Kadarius Tony, we all know how talented he is. Yeah. If he was to play all 17 games next season, that's would it shock step. anybody if that man put up 1,100 yards? No, because no, he's insanely talented. That's, the, that's his next step, staying healthy. Sky Moore, his... Sky Moore, if he was to put up 1,100 yards next season, would that not be one of the most shocking developments of the season? Because we're not expecting that from Sky Moore. We could expect that from Kadarius Tony because he's that good. He just doesn't stay healthy. Sky Moore doing that would be like, whoa, what the fuck? How did Sky Moore just become that? I'm just that trying way? to understand because we're not so we are moving the goalpost so for ind- the individual here though. That's what we're saying because you guys are talking about Kadarius taking the next step would be his health, to, uh, uh, and and Sky Moore taking the next step would just be improving as an overall player and his, his abilities and being on the on the on the, on the yes yeah, because, because those are the two things they struggle with. Because those are the two the, things they struggle exactly with. with yeah, Kadarius expect- struggles so, with health. So that all comes back to expectations. This is what I'm saying. Like it's what does Kadarius have to do just stay healthy then? I, yes. Oh, okay. right. I'm, I mean, that's why I said from the top, I said I'm not expecting him to. Yeah. I think that I, I think it's more likely Kadarius misses four to six games next season. Yeah. If he I doesn't, if he that. doesn't, he's going to become one of the most like fantasy. You're going to see him in fantasy football conversations. Oh, you got to get him in the second round. You know, you're going to start talking about that. Yeah. But that's the point. Is like I don't think anybody realistically expects Kadarius Tony to play more than 12, 13 games at best next season. Which is why I'm saying the expectations for each individual is different. And I'm looking at the step forward. I think Sky Moore yes. has more of an opportunity to step up because I think he's going to be more available. Yes. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that he has to have more yards and touchdowns than Kadarius. Because I think if Kadarius plays 13 games next season, he could still end up with more yards and touchdowns than Sky Moore. Sky but if Sky Moore yeah. goes from 250 receiving yards mm. to 790 with like that's five a, touchdowns, like that's a big that's step. That's a massive step up as opposed to Kadarius Tony playing 13 games going for 975 yards and six touchdowns. Like that wouldn't shock me if Kadarius Tony pulled that off because of because how that, that, how great he because looks. Because we, we know so, that yeah, he's yeah, capable he of doing that. Seven hundred fifty, seven hundred ninety yards, which is about what MVS had this past season. Yeah, he was our wide receiver three. Yeah, but MVS was a twenty-eight year old receiver. We we but already knew what he was. The age. This is what I'm saying. If you're, I just like I laid out before. If he was the if Sky Moore became the, a solid wide receiver three, which is what MVS was this past season, similar numbers you just said. If he had those numbers, he would be the wide receiver three. In this well, office. I was saying like Kadarius Tony flirting with like a thousand yards because I think I think Kadarius Tony has a different. What I'm saying is the ceiling for Kadarius Tony is much higher than Sky Moore's, without a doubt. So Sky Moore surpassing expectation is going to take a lot less than what Kadarius Tony would have to take. So I know that, that, yeah. it's, it's a race, but they have two different starting points. I get that. I'm just yeah. saying like, like that's why I was curious like how. Could Kadarius even win this argument then? Because oh, it seems I'll like a setup for him to lose. It's simple. Yeah. If Kadarius Tony is healthy next season, yeah. he wins this argument hands down. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just simply There's, the better yeah, player. I think he's got star potential. He's simply the better Definitely, player. Definitely, yes. Yeah. yes. We, we, like, he has top 10 wide receiver potential. This, like, this is, this, is, stupid this is in no way bashing Kadarius no, Tony no, in no, any way. I'm not saying that. This is actually yeah, kind of like. trying to figure out where they're it, starting yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. How they would be the one that supersede whichever. Simply. Kadarius Tony stays healthy. If he just stays healthy. Yeah. It doesn't matter what Sky Moore does, because I just think that he has a much higher ceiling than Sky Moore. And like Kadarius only has the potential to be the wide receiver one. He's gonna get more snaps. He's gonna get more targets. Well, especially if we don't have if we don't have Juju or McColl. Because we don't know where those guys are going to be next year. McColl's most likely the back. McColl's gone. McColl's gone. Reports are saying Juju's here. That's still yeah. I mean, I would love to see McColl come back. But the only way that happens especially is because Morgan just plummets, and yeah. I don't see that right now. Especially like in this one. I want to see. I want to see. Just just throws out there. I, I want to see Sky Moore get more like nine route stuff. Because I think yeah. he's extremely fast, and I think I would love to see him get some deep shots. And we've seen them have that. I don't know if we're gonna have Justin Watson back either next year. I would love to bring him back as well. But uh, I hope, man. I hope. I mean, Death I hope pieces. Sky Moore. I hope Sky Moore takes that next. Well, step. like I told Jason Dunn uh, from Chief Concern Podcast, I, I I brought that up. I was like back last season when we were talking about OBJ potentially joining the Chiefs. I said. 
Justin Watson's a fine, you know, wide receiver four. Yeah. But imagine his snaps going to an Odell Beckham Jr. Putting like that Odell, would be the reality. Putting Odell in the slot in this. Offense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Would and just having silly. imagine the talent that this. I mean, it's so it really is realistic, guys, to think that at some point next season, the Chiefs could be lining up with DeAndre Hopkins, Travis Kelsey, Odell Beckham Jr., and Kadarius Tony. Like think, and your backup plans are MVS and and Sky Moore. Mm. That is a terrifying offense with Isaiah Pacheco, probably Jerick McKinnon back. Maybe they draft another running back late in the draft, whatever the case is. Now, Justin Watson, or not Justin Watson, it was the other Justin Watson. Ross. Justin Ross. That's, that's Shane's guy. He loves yeah. I, I don't know if he's ever been number eight. Hey, super talented. I, I'm with Shane on that. I think he's got a lot of potential. Yeah, super talented. Is he the guy that wears an eight jersey? Yes. Who's the other Ross then? That was John Ross. John Ross. He's okay. Just, I think we will use him. John Ross is like think 28 he's, years old. He's I think he's a roster. I think he's, he's like, a he's probably a practice guy. He's talking way ahead, but he's I think just, he's a special. I think he's a good like kick returner. That dude. Punter. That dude is that dude is a track meet. Like he's, he's fast as shit. He's just a track star. Super fucking fast. But he could throw become, on a helmet. He could become a toad guy for sure. <sighs> Yeah, he could become I mean, a toad guy. For yeah. he makes the team, can he tackle? That's the question Dude, I have. That. I mean, he's, that, not, he's never, ever, ever going to become anything in this offense. No, not as a receiver, but I no. think I can see him being a special teams guy. For no. Sure. But uh, do we have any other comments or anything like that, Eddie? No. Okay, that's it. Uh, hey, let us know what you guys Thanks, think, Shaggy. man. Hit, actually, hit us up Just on YouTube. Shaggy. Yeah, Shaggy, obviously, you know I love you, bro. Uh, whatever you guys got, let us know what you guys think uh, in regards to all of our special, our free agent wants and needs. I mean, do, do you hey. guys, just, just real quick before we move on, do you guys have any other players you'd like to see the Chiefs sign? Because I, I presented mine. I mean, are there other names out there that you would like to see? Because I know Marcus Davenport's supposedly available. He's going to be pricey, but he's going to be available. He's a hell of a pass rusher. I mean, there's names out there that Chiefs can like go Marcus after. Davenport. I mean, I, you know, there's... Me, I'll stick with uh, Juju and potentially OBJ. That, that, now, that's my that's my guy. With Juju, who would, how much would you be willing to pay for him and how long? You can do three, four years, probably maybe Fifteen, seventeen million a year, like a first, yeah. first two years guaranteed. Yeah, like, like would you be willing to get into a bidding war for Juju? Because I wouldn't be. No, no, okay. I wouldn't get into a bidding war. No, because you're not going to win that. Bro, we're the you're not going to win that. Which, we have a chance, bro. We don't need to go down the bidding yeah. war. I, I don't. Yeah, I think. I think. And and like I said, like I said last show, and and, and we don't need OBJ. We we don't need OBJ, but yeah. uh, I would gladly take uh, Juju on a team. Team friendly deal, which I do think, and I I, I do see him doing a team friendly deal. I, I think I, I think it's more paid, likely. So. I think it's more likely for him to take a team friendly deal than you know what I mean. Really? So I actually I think because because I, I think I, I think loyal his his thing is loyalty, and that can be like like I said last time, loyal so to a fault. Seventy million dollars, <laughs> loyal to a fault. <laughs> I'm just saying because I think the highest the Chiefs are going to go up is hey Juju will pay you thirteen and a half million. Money a year. talks, man. But Money I, talks. if someone else is like hey we'll pay you seventeen and a half million, I just it's I, like dude, that's I don't see I don't see teams doing. I don't see teams doing that that kind of money on Juju, especially like after last season. You go know, like con- injuries and I see someone said in Gakwe. I would Yannick and Gakwe. I'd be all over that. He's gonna be pricey though. That's Hell the only yeah. thing, man. If you're gonna go because you gotta remember, pass rushers are always gonna be yeah. expensive, and he's in his twenties still. Bro, I, I think love, he's what twenty eight. I would love to bring Yannick and Gakwe. I think he's twenty eight years old. Beast. That's a sixteen to eighteen million a year kind of guy right there. I don't. I don't think he's in the Chiefs market. Yeah. I would very much welcome it though. And Mark, like I said, Marcus Davenport's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's other names out there that the Chiefs could t- could what about, entertain. Would you be interested in getting the uh, Patriots wide receiver? What's his name? Is it Jacoby Myers? Myers? Jacoby Myers. I like Jacoby Myers a lot. He's a big receiver, big he's, body. He's a guy though that Andy Reid would have fun he's, with because he's, he's a speedster. Well, he's, a, well, he's, a, he's a converted quarterback. Yeah. Imagine the trick plays yeah. Andy Reid could put together for that guy. 
If, if the Chiefs keep unless like, he pulls that shit against working, the Raiders yeah, often, guys, then I don't want him. This is this yeah, is why I said sad. I think this is why I continue to hit the table that DeAndre Hopkins is the best option for the Chiefs when it comes to wide receiver, veteran wide receivers, is because of the fact that you don't have to go and overspend for him. Yeah, yeah. You trade for him and you get him for what his actual well, price especially, is. If you go and try to get a Jacoby Myers in this market or a JoJo or a McColl, you're spending 120 to 150 percent on their market value yeah. because other teams are gonna be like. What else is out there? Like, we have nothing. It's Juju and a bunch of guys. Well, and we're, we're standing alone on the mountaintop, dude. Yeah. People are wanting to come play here. So we have all the leverage. We're the champs. We do not have to go down to this level and try to fight in, in these bid wars for these players. We don't necessarily need anyone right now. Who, who's, who's desperate out there for a wide receiver? Well, it was the Bears until they got DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. I would say that the, the Giants are I still think, desperate I still for think wide receiver. Patriots still think the Jets, are desperate for wide receiver. Can they afford it? Can the Giants yes. afford so it? Yes, the, so the, the Giants have, some. I think, the best cap structure right now in the NFL. I, I really Even after his uh, Daniel Jones contract. I don't think his cap hit hits till next season because I think he had a year left on his rookie deal, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Or this was maybe this was a year. So regardless, they're going to have a ton they of cap space. They are going to need a receiver they, over there. They're going to have a ton of cap space. Because he so, was either tagger or, or uh, pay yeah. Daniel Jones this and year. And they tagged Saquon. I think he's making like $16 million or something like that. They're going to they're gonna have to work Why that deal out. Guys, I I, I'm telling you right now, I would be more shocked if Juju's back with Kansas City than he's in New York. Ooh. I really, I could totally see Juju in, in New York. I'd be shocked if he doesn't come back. Like that would be the shocking TikTok to me. If, if somebody, if somebody, if let's say the Giants, are like, hey, listen, we'll pay you eighteen million a year. That's how bad we need a Juju because they do. They need yeah. Juju back. Oh, dude. The Chiefs don't. The Trevor just said it. The Chiefs don't need Juju. That's why they had him on a one-year eight million dollar deal. But if you're, but if the Chiefs offer what fifteen, sixteen, you really think? I don't think you the really think that we're not to. giving him that, man. And look, and again, as I've said, no offense I, to him, I'll keep saying it over and over again. If the Chiefs weren't willing to outbid for Tyreek Hill, yeah. you really think they're going to outbid for Juju Smith-Schuster? And Juju's a champ now, man. Go get your bag. Like if he wants to go take money somewhere else, I have no problem with that. If you, I don't, I, I'm just not expecting guys to, just because we're the Chiefs to take home home field or home, you know, discounts. I just. I, I would love to have Juju back, but I think I think it makes more sense for him to go elsewhere and get money because he's yet to make real money in his career. He just hasn't, and he's a, still a young guy. I don't know. The TikTok community in New York is probably pretty legit out there, so I mean, I think that would be a a good spot for him. So there's a lot. Eddie might be right. Maybe Juju's like, no, I want to continue trying to win championships. I'll just I'll take I'll take a cash. You know, I just I don't see it, man. The market doesn't work like that. Players, quite frankly, don't work like that. Yeah. Like when you're offered, it's one thing if you're a guy like Juju a couple years ago that's still trying to prove himself. It's one thing if that's the case. And you're like, look, Chiefs are the best opportunity for me to do this because he knew that that's the best chance for him to win. But when you're at that stage and you win a Super Bowl, that tax goes with you into free agency. Why do you think Demarcus Robinson continues to land jobs? Is it because the guy's a world beater? No. He's on the Ravens, man. He was their best receiver outside of Rashad Bateman who got hurt. So my my point, though, is what I'm saying is that Juju is significantly better than Demarcus Robinson. And he's going to have a market. And it's perfect timing for a guy like Juju because the market is so inept. This year, usually it's great. Usually you got... Three, five, six, seven different names out there that oh my god, this team's well, gonna get this guy. with the market being completely this reset last season with Tyreek and Devontae Adams. Yeah, like that. That's the, obviously Christian the top, Kirk top tier, but even that. like the, the bottom feeders are getting fat paid right, now. So right, it's, it's that's been what I'm set. saying. Like guys like Juju, this in this market are gonna get paid like a wide receiver one. That's what's gonna happen. I just don't. I'm, I just can't see the Chiefs going and reaching enough, like close enough to that market demand to convince Juju to stay here. And quite frankly, I don't think Juju's worth it, Eddie. I just don't think he's worth it. You saw the Chiefs win multiple playoff games in this run without him doing anything. 
I mean, he played well in the Super Bowl. I'll give him credit for that. He had like seven catches in the second half. Yeah. He had three in the previous two games. But he still never even had a bigger game than, than MVS did in the, the right. Cincy game. MVS had a better game than Juju, Juju had went out. Yeah. Juju got hurt, and the Chiefs' offense MBS kept moving. And that's, and that's why I think he there's not going to be a lot of teams trying to pay top dollar for Juju but Eddie, the for last is, season. The, the reason I'm saying Christian this, Christian Kirk didn't do that much before he got Kansas, paid, bro. Okay, in Kansas City, you can get away with losing Juju Smith-Schuster. In New York, you can't. But, I mean, a lot of people thought about that Christian, about Christian Kirk as well. And then, because he he was less successful than Juju was in his career at that point. Yeah, he, he got what forty again, plus. Every position matters more to certain teams. Look at cornerback. I, I keep bringing this up. Shavarius Ward was an undrafted free agent. The Chiefs traded a backup center for. Mm-hmm. He went and got forty seven million dollars from the Forty Nine ers. He was never getting that here in Kansas City. Yeah, but because of the fact the 49ers are a team that are more reliant on his position because they don't have a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. His value goes up. But in Kansas City, he would have gotten paid at best $20, 25000000 million. But because of the fact there's a team out there, you know, we need him. He's got to be on this team. His market went up. So with Juju, it's the same thing. You have Patrick Holmes here. You can live without Juju Smith-Schuster. You don't have to pay fifteen to $18 million. We have Daniel Jones. What can we – write the check. Like, whatever you want. Like, it would not shock me if – it's more. it would shock me more if Juju came back here on a $12 million a year deal than the Giants paying him $20 million a year. It would not shock. It would shock me more if he came to Kansas City on that price yeah, than going to the Giants on that because of the market demand. These numbers matter, man. I'm telling you, Christian Kirk set the market the way it was last year. Had DeAndre, had Devontae Adams not got the contract he got, guess what? Tyreek Hill's still a chief, but because he upped the ante, things changed. That's what I'm talking about. You're going to see Juju be one of the big, the big heavy hitters this year, and then you're going to see McCole Hartman go to a team for you know a three-year, forty million dollar deal. You're going to see you know uh, Gallat- Galladay probably get another contract and convince somebody else to pay his injured ass. I don't know. The point is that's how this is going to go. Again, let us know what you guys think on YouTube. Hit us up on the chat. Let us know what you guys think, what you guys think is going to happen. You've heard our building blocks and how we see this going for free agency with the Chiefs. Let us know what team, what players. Uh, that you'd like to see the Chiefs sign, maybe trade for, whatever the case is, you guys let us know. Hit the follow, hit the subscribe button as well. We greatly, greatly appreciate that. It is time now for the Eddie Hour. I'd love to hear what Eddie has in the world of sports, the, the landscape. I know there's sports going on right now. We have the tournaments going on. MMA is in full swing. Baseball's about to get kicked up. There's a lot going on. But I don't tell Eddie what to say. I have no idea what Eddie's about to bring mm-hmm. up. So this is his time. Eddie, what's in the Eddie Hour? Let's talk. Uh, look at Doncic uh, versus Devin Booker. Is it really? Uh, is it a real rivalry between those two? Well, I mean, do I think they like each other? No, I don't. I don't think they like each other. Uh, for me, rivalries are as crazy as it sounds. I agree with Draymond Green. You have to win, and I have to win. I've told I've told you guys this is why I don't believe the Chargers and Chiefs are a rivalry yet because the Chargers don't beat the Chiefs enough, and the Chargers don't contend for titles like the Chiefs do. They're not on the same level when it comes to. Luca and, and Book, I mean, they might have an inner rivalry between each other, but neither one of them have really been contending outside of the one run the, the Suns had. So I, I don't really look at them and go, oh, that's you know that's Duke and North Carolina, that's the Red Sox and Yankees. I don't I don't see that. So right now I'm going to say no, but I do think there's a budding rivalry between the two. And quite frankly, them being two super not superstars, Luca's a superstar, but Booker's a great scorer. If they, if both of their teams can continue to elevate towards winning, winning finals, then I, then I can see this becoming one. Yeah, I absolutely think there's a personal rivalry between the two of them. I think when Draymond was talking about, they was talking about individual teams being rivals to other individual teams in the postseason and you know competing for championships and keeping one team from 
can, you know, reaching that goal and the other team keeping them from reaching that goal as well. So I think individual rivals, rivalries definitely exist. I mean, I think Draymond's dealing with one himself, um, you know, with uh, with Homeboy and, uh, and the Grizzlies. So um, I think there's definitely, I mean, every single time these guys play, there's shit talk and there's almost a scrap every single time. Um, I, I just for myself playing, you know, a lot of basketball growing up and the, you know, the YMCA's and boys and girls clubs and stuff like that. Like it, there's always going to be that one guy that always pisses you off and you guys always end up, you know, shoving and throwing elbows and whatever. Um, so I think there is a lot of that between those two guys, There's a lot of animosity. Um, so as far as the individual rivalry between the two of them, when they just simply do not like each other and it's always going to be fireworks when those team, two teams play because of that tension between those two superstar players. I think there's definitely, um, um, definitely there. I think it definitely exists. And I, I enjoy it, man. I love seeing Luca get under the skin. And, and honestly, Book creates a lot of rivalries. <laughs> He's a very unlikable guy. Um, I remember when Jokic was about to rip his head off in the, the postseason. Uh, that was fun to watch his brothers about jump onto the floor. Um, but yeah, I think I just I think there's 100% a um, individual tension and rivalry between those two individual players. Yeah. All right, let's stick with the NBA. Um, thoughts on the whole Kevin Durant uh, injury that just happened this past week? I'm I'm gonna say something that's gonna really shock you guys, but I I, I think this is where we're headed. I don't think Kevin Durant's a superstar anymore. I think that when healthy, he's a superstar talent. And he's a superstar player, and he's one of the deadliest scorers in the history of the NFL, NBA. And in fact, if I had to do a one-on-one versus anybody, I'm picking Kevin Durant, and I think he beats every single player in the history of the NBA. There's, he's the most unguardable player we've ever seen. He's missed 151 games since 2020. That is not a superstar player. This is what I knock Anthony Davis about every single time when I said he has the potential to be a superstar player. When we've seen Anthony Davis healthy, he's one of the five best players in the NBA. But he's not healthy enough. But even with that, Kevin Durant has missed over 30 more games in that same span than Anthony Davis, who we call street clothes. Yeah. That's true, man. Kevin Durant is no longer a superstar. You cannot rely. What was the reason why the Suns went and traded all that all that stuff to get Kevin Durant? Because they thought that he would be so bad. in an ideal world. He is the guy that you can hire like a like a hired gun, like the Warriors did, and he can take you over the edge and beat LeBron. That's why the Warriors did it. Because like fuck, LeBron just took it down, took us down from three one and beat us. They won't. He can't do that with Kevin Durant. That's true. Because back then, Kevin Durant was a healthy player that played seventy plus games a season and played through the playoffs. Kevin Durant is no longer that guy. It's not even his age. He'll be 34, 35 in September, but that's not even what I'm tripping on because we see guys that play in their later years now that can continue to be great, but they have to be available. Kevin Durant is no longer that player. Maybe he could be again, but when you're, when have you ever seen a player in warm-ups walk out of the stadium in, in a walking boot and not play a single second in the game? It doesn't happen. It literally does not happen. This man's body is breaking down on him. And I hate seeing it this way. I did not want to see Kevin Durant's career end this way. But if we've known anything, our guy Nick Wright broke this down yesterday on his show. If you look at a lot of the superstar players of yesteryear, it was around 35 as to when they were done. Larry Bird retired at 35. Isaiah Thomas retired at 35. We've seen a lot of guys at this age, when they started dealing with chronic pain and injuries and things of this nature, their bodies gave up on him. I think Kevin Durant is really close to being being done, guys. It's, it, I know that sounds nuts because we've seen him this season when he plays. But, guys, do you know how many games he's played in the last three months? Three. He's played three games in the last three months. That is – you can't rely on him. 
It, the Suns are not winning the title. I, we, our last show, we literally talked about this, but I said their ceiling is winning the finals, and their 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 floor is just not not winning a single playoff series. I think they're far, far way closer to not winning a playoff series now than they are winning the finals because mm-hmm. Kevin Durant may not play again this season. He's not playing the regular season. He's done for the regular season. They played zero games together. Now I'm supposed to expect him to go into the playoffs and have this chemistry with these these guys and win a win a, win a title? I don't see it. Yeah, and they they shipped off most of their depth to go get KD. So I'm not ready to say KD's not a superstar because I I still 100 believe he is when healthy. And like you said, when healthy and when playing, he's arguably the greatest, greatest one-on-one, toughest guy to defend of all time. I mean, guys like him and Kareem, Dirk, with those step backs and their height and their ability to shoot over the top and with their height, it's just yep. those those three guys are there, Kareem, Dirk, and, and KD just have this ability to just shoot over you and you just can't, there's nothing to do, just hope he misses. Um, so yeah, I, I still think he's a superstar player and he still has two superstar status for sure. It's an unfortunate, weird, freak thing when I watched that video of him rolling his ankle. There must have been some condensation on the floor uh to where he slipped and just i mean when you're a tall guy like that and you roll your ankle man it's a serious injury you know what i mean and um and how many and, and lower not, legs injuries have he had it's, he not, had it's not like a lot i mean and this happened if it happened in a game it'd be a little easier to digest the fact that it happened in a, in a warm-up is just really shitty um i hate seeing that for him personally I, I was kind of excited to see what the suns can maybe put together um make a little run here um because I do, in the latter years of KD's career, I, I don't mind him that much um, personally. But uh, he's still an odd cat. But I, I still think he's a superstar. Uh, when he's playing, he's he's up there in the top of all the players, uh, scoring wise and just overall presence on the floor. You know, he he demands so much attention when he's on the floor. That's superstar. That's superstar status in the NBA. So, um, yeah, I mean, get better. Hopefully, I mean, if this becomes a trend, I'm, I'll jump on board with with you on that. Um, his he, most of his career, he's been a healthy guy. Um, it's just been the last few seasons has been a little rough for him. Um, and he, uh, you know, he's not a, he just doesn't seem like a tough kind of guy. He's just like one thing start happening, it kind of starts a chain reaction of issues for his body. And, uh, you know, we have seen numerous, uh, you said Larry Bird, guys like that, when they start having those issues over and over again, they start just kind of a chain reaction. One, one issue causes another issue. He's, you tend to favor one side of your body because of that issue. And then other things happen in balances and, it leads into other injuries and things like that. And when you're tall like like he is and skinny like he is, you know, um, these things tend to linger a little longer. The older he's getting, obviously, things are going to linger more and more. I just hope a speedy recovery for him. Hopefully next year he can put get it together and have a healthy, you know, uh, finish to his career. I don't want to see him go out like a, you know, like a wounded bird. You know what I mean? So um, Literally, like Larry Bird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't want to see – I just don't want to see him, man. I, I would like to see him finish strong in his career. He's one of the best. I'm, I'm happy to be alive and witness the greatness that KD yeah. is, man. Yep. One of the best players of all time. So hopefully a speedy career for him. Hopefully he can get back to playing next season. Uh, I'm sure Sun fans would agree. We go from one injury to another. Uh, let's talk uh, LeBron James injury. Is he out for the season? Uh but what, what what's gonna happen? This this is a weird one because we don't really know what injury he suffered. Yeah, we we, we really don't. We have no clue. Like we know it was a foot, a foot injury. Yeah, but then they said it was an ankle injury. But then it was a foot injury, and then it's like okay, what the what are the specifics? We don't really know, and we have no idea when he's coming back. They said they would reevaluate it in the coming weeks. I don't anticipate that we'll see LeBron anytime soon. I don't think he'll play in March. But I do believe in the fact that there's gonna be a motivating there's gonna be a motivating factor for him to come back, whether he's 100 percent or not, because of the fact the Lakers are now in the plan. They're at nine right now, and I think they're only two games out of like the six seed. So the Lakers they continue to play the way they're playing right now, which I do expect. Mm-hmm. With the with the West being wide open, LeBron will come back hobbled and he'll play. 
I'm expecting him to come back. He, he won't be out for the rest of the season, like no matter what happens in the playoffs and all that. He will be back. I just don't know when. It's a, it's a real mystery because unlike Kevin Durant, it's not like there's a an accumulation of injuries for LeBron James that's making you start to wonder if he's if his body's just shot. It's just a really weird hobble that he's dealing with right now that I do think he'll play through. And I think the Lakers are playing this smart by kind of resting him, allowing these other guys to build this chemistry. Because as we all know, you can throw LeBron in the mix with D'Lo and AD and they can just fire off at will because these guys have played together, at least AD and LeBron have, and we all know those are the two most important pieces with shooters around. I'd imagine LeBron will fit right in, but I, I don't expect we'll see him in this month, but I do think right before the playoffs, right right in the April time, we'll see him start to come back around. So I, I'm, I'm expecting LeBron to come back. Well, I mean, this just goes to show LeBron's not a superstar anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it, that is becoming an argument. I mean, no, I mean, I, listen, he's a superstar it, player because I do believe you can win a title with him. And the last couple of seasons, he's, he's been dealing with injuries. Okay, but the last two seasons, he only missed about forty games. Well, no one's. It's not like he's missing hundred and fifty. That's a much different. There's only been a couple, maybe on one hand, you can count as many players that have been as good as he is in this league so far since he's turned thirty-eight years old. He's yeah. been arguably the best scorer in the league, up in top three scorers yeah. in the league since he's turned thirty-eight. Yeah, LeBron is LeBron he's is a superstar. Still. Top five LeBron is league. still a superstar. No one impacts the yeah. floor more than LeBron. Period. Him, guys like him, Giannis, Jokic, uh, uh, um, Steph Curry, uh, uh, and maybe uh, Luca. Guys like that impact the floor so much. They demand so much attention because of what they do and how they can impact the game. LeBron is still one of those guys. So I a superstar to me, real quick. That was AJ. How, so. how, how I how how I define a superstar in this league, just for the record, is a guy that you can build a championship team around. There's not a lot of those guys in the yep. NBA. Yep. I don't think Luca's that yet. I wouldn't call Luca a superstar yet. I think he has uh, superstar talent. They haven't built it. They haven't given you know him a Luke team is? that can build around you. No, you know who Luca is? I think he is. But he's Justin Herbert. Insane <laughs> talent. Insane talent, dude. What you would you guys? I would say, agree with you, on, if, you if, if he crumbled in big moments. He's done nothing but the opposite. But would you? Okay, but hold on. Wouldn't you say? Well, wouldn't you say? But wouldn't you say? Would you say that Justin Herbert's one of the most talented quarterbacks you've ever seen? Yeah, but it falls apart in the playoffs, though. Is what I'm saying. He's only been in the playoffs one time. I'm not. That's gonna, I'm not my point. Luca hasn't. I, I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it's because Justin Herbert's. I don't think it's because of Justin Herbert. They're not in the playoffs all the time. My point. All I'm trying to make it. All I'm trying to say is, is that Luca to me is a guy that should be a superstar and will be a superstar. But to this point, he's not led a team to the championship. He's not done. He's played what six seasons? Mm-hmm. I'm, at, I'm just came in at eighteen, bro. I I get what, it. Twenty four. That's what I'm saying. Like just this is the time 24. where you start doing these things. You start putting it together. Yeah, give him a team. That's, he's yet to have a lot of talent around him, man. I, 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 what I'm saying is, we know definitively who are superstars in this league. Is what I'm saying. Sure. We know who the guys are. Giannis is without question. Katie has been. Steph Curry. LeBron James, like those are the guys that you call superstars. There are guys with superstar talent like Luka, but until Luka proves that, we can't sit here and say he's in that same class as those guys. Because those guys, because Joel Embiid is having one of the greatest scoring seasons a big man has ever had. He's a superstar. But Joel Embiid is a superstar in guys, this league. Bro. I'm going off. Okay, so let me, all right, this is interesting. Joel Embiid is a superstar. What is, what is your dude. definition of a superstar? You know, I don't think you have to be a champion or pushing for championships every season to be a superstar in this league. It's a star-driven. There's there's stars on bad teams. I'm not saying like Charles, Charles Charles Barkley is he not stars. was he not a superstar? No. Oh man. Wow. He was a star play guys. Charles Barkley. Hold on. Hold on. What? Okay. That that is when it comes down to definition. We're going off of my definition. I'm defining players according to what I think a superstar is. Mm. What makes a star player? I don't. I think you're. I think you're equating too much of the success into the superstar. Okay. Was Scottie Pippen a superstar? No. Exactly, but he won six rings. 
He was the right hand man to the. Thank you. He was a Charles Barkley would have been a perfect star player next to a guy that would. And how many rings did they win? That's that's what I'm saying. You're equating way too much success to the superstar standpoint. You could be a superstar and never have a ring in your life, dude. There's, I mean, you're gonna tell me. I'm saying contending for titles. You're gonna tell me Dan Marino wasn't a superstar quarterback in the league when he played? Yeah, he was. But here's the difference. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, now we're going across leagues though when it comes to. Uh, how we compare players. You I said Justin Herbert. Okay, but Justin Herbert's career's not done. Dan Marino did played a whole career, dude, and we saw that he didn't he failed. He failed. He had he was a superstar player in the NFL because it's more difficult to win titles in the NFL than it is. But you do NBA. understand that Luca every single time in the postseason, his his postseason numbers dwarf his regular season numbers. He's done nothing but up his game in the postseason, yeah, bro. I mean, he's only played in a couple postseasons. He has though. three game winners in the postseason already. Sure. I, I, against the Clippers, this is, what, this is why I call him a superstar in waiting. I think he's going to be that guy. He's already arrived, dude. Luca is one of the faces of this league. He's one of the faces of this league. You can't. You're going to tell me who's more of a superstar, him or John Morant? Uh, oh my God! No, it's Luca. It's Luca. It's Luca. Yes, it's Luca. Yes, it's Luca. Give me like you give me one second answer, like it's, it's, it's a rhetorical fucking question, dude. <laughs> I'm I love John Morant. Your, hey, what is your definition of a superstar? Uh, one of the best players in the league. If he's a top be five, top ten player. Do. Be great at what you do. So you're yes. automatic superstar if you're a top 10 player in the league? I think if you're a top 10 player in the league, you should be a superstar. At least close. Or top 5, top 6. Okay, I can go with top 5. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I can go with 10. That's a but, lot. But, I mean, this is a star-driven league, and I think you think of superstars as like Luka is on that list, dude. He's not Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert collapses in big moments. Luka does the opposite. He's just happy. He's never but had a good team. But when you say that Justin Herbert's team. one of the five best quarterbacks in football? Talent-wise, yes. But is, is he a superstar? Uh, okay, name me, name me five quarterbacks is you Justin take over Justin Herbert. Is Justin Herbert a superstar in the NFL? No, no, I no. don't think so. That's, that, I literally just compared him to Luka. That's but, why I said that. <laughs> but that falls apart because but, in the postseason, Luka's incredible. He does everything. Dude, look at his numbers in the postseason. Luka's never choked in the postseason. No. They, Are you kidding me? Did he not just choke last season? To the Clippers? Yeah, they were up 2-1 in that series. Bro, his team was terrible. Who then his other star on that team? Oh, yeah. Who's going to get Kawhi, Jaylen Paul Brunson. George? Well, and that's, hey, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, whoa. Is Jalen Brunson one of the best scorers in basketball? Oh, my. No. He's not one of the He's best scorers. He's averaging 26 a game. Bro. So, hold on, hold on. Jalen, ah. go look at his numbers. Jalen Brunson last season with Luka Doncic was averaging like 17, 18 a game. Mm. Now okay. he's averaging 26. Okay. Give him Paul and George on, or Kawhi Leonard. Are we going to pretend like the Knicks aren't a good team? They're they're good. They're, they're, what are they like the four they're seed? Like the fifth seed in the East, cool, bro. They like, won like eleven straight games. They just got their asses kicked by the Kings, bro. I, yeah, the Kings are a really good team. <laughs> are we gonna sit here pretend the Kings aren't awesome? Right. I, we're going around circles. My point in all this is, I'm saying that Luca is an undersized point guard. Luca has game, the potential dude. to be the best player in the world. Yes. I, this isn't me downplaying. That's a superstar. I, I, I need more from Luca. Is what I'm saying. I you need, need more, more success. Yes. He's already arrived as far as. Well, talent. you would agree though that success kind of plays into it, though. I don't think so as much as you do. Well, no, I, I, my defense with LeBron has always been at 22 years old, he led a team to the finals, had no business no, getting but, there. Okay, but that's what made him a before superstar. Before MJ even won a playoff series, people were calling him the goat. No, they weren't doing. They, they were doing, calling him the best player in the world. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, Bobby Knight did. That's what I'm saying. So he was already a superstar before he even won a series. I, I don't think he was. I don't think Michael was. I think Bobby Knight gave him a lot of I praise. I think he was the best player in the NBA at that time, probably already. I think MJ was probably the Magic best player. Magic Johnson, dude. Yeah, Magic he was Johnson. on his way out though. No, and then Ma- when he was on, he was Magic out. was on the decline in like the like yeah. eighty nine ninety. After MJ, MJ was could already... only get eighty four. So there was like Larry Bird was still winning titles. I mean, Larry Bird as, was still a badass. I still think it, maybe talent wise, MJ was better than Magic at the time. Oh, uh, MJ was a better player that's than Magic. I'm saying that at that time, so he was the best player. Let it was Magic. It was Magic. It was Bird, and then Michael was climbing the ladder. Yeah. Like right now, I don't think there's any question. Giannis is the best player in the world. I just think the NBA is different. Would you guys agree? I think Giannis is the best player in the world. Yeah. Yes. I, I, well, him and Jokic. 
for sure. Yes. Yeah, the two yes. top. And it's, but it's, even it's, Jokic is like, you got to start winning some fucking yeah, games. Yeah, but, but, but is Jokic a superstar? Yes, 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 because Jokic has, yes. not only is he a and center, he's one of the not only is he a center, he has the most triple doubles in the league, and every single time he has a triple double, they have never lost. Well, you can't win, you can't win, he's, he's the one. MVP of the league. You can't win three straight MVPs and not a super. He's going to win three straight. Then there's a defining, like, if Luka won three straight MVPs, I'm like, what am I doing here? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, Jokic yeah. is clearly in a different tier right now. It's yeah. like him and Giannis. So like right, and then it's like then it's like Luca, Joel Embiid, um, Jason Tatum's like right right around that area. I just think the NBA is a little different as far as compared to other sports because such it's such a star driven yeah. league. It's I'm not saying it's not a team sport. It 100 is. It takes good teams to win uh, championships, but they're all as far as star status and stardom and superstardom. Individual superstars can be on okay to decent yeah. teams. Yeah, and I think he, that's what Luca. Not is. to not to contradict myself, but if Luca was on a better roster, yeah. he probably wins titles. Bro, if he was so, on the Clippers or one of these teams with other stars on there, but there's something there's something great about like was not a star, there, there's bro. something great about like a Luca leading a team that shouldn't be there further. Like I want to see yeah, it was seven games. I want to see him. I want to see him have a 2007 run like LeBron did. Where he goes and beats a team he had That's, no business dude, beating. But do you know how hard to do it? How that is to do it? How talented my, the league is my, now? That's hard are, to do. But that. you understand that you my standard, that. my standard for a guy like Luca is so high because of what I know he can be and what he a- has been. You I'm know what I mean? Like but I want to see more. That run by LeBron uh, was so unprecedented because yeah. the league was the league now is it's so but, it's so much talent now, bro. Yeah. It's so hard to do. And a then run you can like use that. you can use your argument. Was LeBron a superstar when he when he when he did that? Yes, LeBron has been a superstar for twenty years. Yeah. Like, he came in the league at 18 years old with more hype than anyone in the history of the game. Carried, is carried the worst superseded the yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to compare. He's played better than... You, if yeah. you go back and, and look at the expectations but, but people But you're had, saying superstars have to win yes, championships. Yes, and at 22, he went Le- to the finals. LeBron did, But he yeah. didn't win, though. Right, but I didn't yeah, say Luke has to win a title. Yeah. I said he has to start getting in contention. Yeah. yeah that's all well, I'm LeBron asking. LeBron did was to, Dan, to the Dan Marino question, yeah. in his second season, he led his team to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, there's certain things you have to start doing. Justin Herbert. If Justin Herbert went to the AFC Championship this year, I'm going to start saying, you know what? That motherfucker might be a superstar. Oh, this yeah. is why Trevor Lawrence climbed my list. For sure. I had Trevor Lawrence at like 11, 12, 13-ish when the season started. Led his team to the divisional round. I'm like, you know what? He's playing bowl for the last like nine weeks. Plus, he's a guy that had superstar status in college and one of the biggest. There was already cachet there. Like Justin Herbert was like this unforeseen commodity. Yeah. Patrick Holmes, unforeseen commodity, and all of a sudden, Patrick Holmes hits the ground running. He became a superstar day one. Yeah. As soon as he played, fifty touchdowns, five thousand yards, superstar, AFC champion. It's like Tom, Tom Brady wasn't a superstar till like his fourth, fifth season. Like a true, like true, legitimate I, superstar. He was I, just Super Bowl. I think it took six years for Tom. That's what I'm saying he wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like oh they're winning because of Tom. It was like he was 29 years old in 2007. He just when had he so much success so player. early. Yeah. yeah. He was already winning titles, but it was like he was a complimentary piece. His numbers for the first were like, three. Eh. yeah, yeah. But yeah, Luca, yes. <laughs> okay, let's go away from the from basketball and go into uh, the NFL. Uh, Derek Carr to the Saints. I gotta go pee. <laughs> this is when you know, dude. Like a, we do a Joe Rogan X show. Yeah, I gotta pee so bad. People too. gotta take. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, Derek. Carr. I, I think the Saints got better at quarterback. Oh, and yeah. I and I don't like buy the whole you know Andy Dalton who had technically better numbers than than Derek Carr last season because to Derek Carr's defense, the man has never ever had a good defense. At the same time, I don't look at Derek Carr as a victim because the man has had insane talent around him I don't throughout. Think he would either throughout sprinkled out throughout his career. Not at the same time, but throughout his career, he's had some very very good players. In particular, Devonte Adams last Mark season. He's still, I think, tied for most interceptions in football. Mark Cooper, Darren Waller. Yeah, yeah, yeah Darren Waller missed a lot of time though last season. But 
the, I think this makes the Saints a a, a playoff team. I, I do. Yeah. I think that that makes them a playoff team. I like them in the NFC. Because I think right now as it stands, until Anthony Richardson gets to you know Carolina, um, I think the Saints are the, have to be the favorites to win that division. And it's yeah. only because of getting Derek Carr. Like If Derek Carr never went to the Saints, they're not the favorites to win that division. He's immediately a top three, top four quarterback in the NFC. Yeah, he's the, he went from being like the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the AFC right. to like the fourth best in the it's NFC. A lot of so pressure off of him. Like he, to me, he's very – I think he's at the same tier as like Jared Goff, yeah. Kirk Cousins, like he's and Dak Prescott. Like yeah. He's right with those guys. Like I think right now the best overall quarterback in the NFC is Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFC. And then after that, it's like Dak, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Jared Goff. I think right now I would still take Derek Carr over Jared Goff by a slight margin. Even though Jared Goff's been to a Super Bowl, he wasn't a great quarterback at that time. It was because they had a great team in Sean McVay. I think Derek Carr would have went to the Super Bowl with that Rams team. 100%. Yeah, so my point is I think Derek Carr makes the Saints a playoff team because I think they're going to win their division as it currently stands. If I had to make a bet, I'd probably pick the Saints. Yeah. But I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't. To this point, yeah. I haven't seen enough from Derek Carr to makes me think he's going to have deep playoff pushes. But I do think this was the best chance for Derek Carr to have said playoff pushes. Because if he'd have stayed in the AFC, in particular in the AFC West, he would have gone a career without winning anything. Yeah. But now that he's in in the NFC, in particular in the NFC South. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a great chance of being a playoff guy, of being a quarterback that gets the next the playoffs for the next three to four seasons. Yeah, I think the NFC is wide open right now. Yeah, yeah I mean, especially if we don't know what's going to happen in the Niners, too. Especially, we don't know that situation. Especially with the Eagles now with the, apparently uh, Darius Slay uh, yep. requesting a trade. Yep. So their defense falling what apart. Their gonna look like next year, a couple guys they have retired. so many free agents in that uh, in that Super Bowl team. Yep. It, so Yeah, I mean um, – but yeah, as far as Derek Carr goes, I, I like him. I like him in that position. I think that's a good move. I think you got a, a you know Chris Olave. You got uh, Michael Thomas. Most likely should be back. And if, I don't know what's going to happen with this um, um, Alvin Kamara situation uh, with all those all the the you know with the court cases and all this stuff going on. I don't know if he's going to be. I don't know if he's going to do time. I don't know what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara. But if he has Alvin Kamara, he has the whole you know repertoire of weapons. He, that offense is gonna be good. I think Derek Carr is gonna. He's. A, I think. I think that marriage with Derek Carr and Chris Olave is gonna be fun to watch. Because yeah. he's, a, he's a, he throws a better ball than Jameis. He throws a better ball than uh, uh, Andy Dalton. So I think. I think that'll be a good uh, offense, and I think that defense is still solid. So I think in that uh, that division should be theirs to lose, in my opinion. Um, but I think Carolina is is on its way for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like Derek Carr, man. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm happy for him. Um, I never really truly disliked the guy entirely. I didn't like him because obviously he was on the Raiders, on the Raiders, and he had a lot of sound bites and certain things that has made him really corny. Um, but I'm happy for him. I think this is a good move for him. Maybe some new, you know, playing in a dome, especially in a lot of games. You know, playing in, uh, uh, in a dome. You know, all the home games will be. In, that's that's good for him as well. Granted, Allegiant Stadium is a dome as well, and inside stadium. But um, I think that'll help us comfort in the transition to that as well. But. Um, yeah, I think the Saints are definitely a playoff team. I like them a lot going into this next season. We'll see what other moves they make. They can definitely make other moves um, with their with their their cap situation. I'm not sure what they can do, but um, happy for Derek, man, for sure. Then go we go from one quarterback to the other. Uh, let's go to Lamar Jackson and why teams were so quick to say that they were out of that business because the NFL works in a uh, joint effort. These, these, these uh, owners are in it for themselves. We know this. That's not a mystery, and that's not even really a knock. This is a business, and they want business to go according to plan. Do you honestly think that the other uh, – take Jimmy Haslam out of the equation with the Cleveland Browns. That dude's a, conf- a fucking idiot giving Deshaun Watson that contract he did. 
But the fact remains he still gave that contract, so it's not Lamar's fault that he's asking for what Deshaun Watson got, who is currently not a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson and hasn't accomplished what Lamar Jackson has accomplished in this in this, in this this league. But the fact remains the NFL doesn't want those kind of contracts to go out there. They don't want fully guaranteed contracts. That takes away so much leverage in negotiations yeah. and in money and, and, and totality. So this is – I'm going to say right now, guys, I think there's collusion going on. I think there's much a much better chance that there's collusion going on than this is just being a legitimate as-is, as-it-looks situation. It stinks. Because you're talking about nine minutes after it was reported that the Ravens were given the exclusive tag, the non-exclusive tag, so other teams can negotiate. Nine minutes later, we're hearing teams were out. Yeah. Teams that make total sense for Lamar Jackson. We're talking the Falcons, Commanders, Panthers at the time. There were, uh, there were teams that legitimately not only pay... Lamar, what they what he wants, but they could absolutely use his services. We're talking about a guy that, at worst, is what the eighth best quarterback in the league. At worst, Lamar Jackson has been a top five quarterback for the majority of his career. Dude's been an insanely good quarterback for the majority of his career. Productive, led his team to the playoffs, won a unanimous MVP. You name it. It it it's, it just reeks to me, man. Do I think that the, these teams are out on Lamar? No, I don't. I think this is all. This speculation to see if he can go back to the Ravens. And I do believe the Ravens are utilizing this the right way. Because I see it from both sides. I understand why the Ravens have to protect themselves. And I understand why Lamar is doing what he's doing. Because again, the market was set with Deshaun Watson. It's not his fault. People can't be blaming Lamar for asking the same money when he's been a better quarterback over the last three years than Deshaun Watson. And hasn't had the off-field shit like Deshaun Watson. The point, though, is, is that... It's true that the Ravens are utilizing the market against Lamar because other teams will put in an offer sheet, and that's doing the work for the Ravens, and the Ravens don't have to put together the contract. They can say, oh, this team wants to offer you X amount of years, X amount of dollars. We'll just match that, and then we get to keep our super, our stellar quarterback. Or we get compensation picks, two first-round picks. That's why the Dolphins aren't in the mix because the Dolphins don't have the first-round picks to facilitate the trade. Mm. Lamar will play somewhere else. I don't see any scenario in which he's a Baltimore Raven because if at this point we would have heard something about them unifying, figuring things out, Lamar, I want to be a Raven for life, things of that nature. But that hasn't happened to this point because he's clearly done with being a Raven. I do believe his days are gone. The point, though, is, is how much guaranteed money is the next team he plays for willing to cash out? I still think the Falcons are going to be the team. I know they said they're out, but I still think they're going to be the team because they're going to come to a point where they have to realize that Jer- the, the Desmond Ritter. I know a real, I know a, a Falcons fan, Ryan Lowe. He has his own show out there. Shout out to Ryan, big time Falcons fans. He's against trading for Lamar Jackson, but I think it's because people don't realize just how much he would actually mean to this team. It's kind of like when we talk about DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, from a distance, you're like, oh no, no, we we can figure this out. But then you bring in Lamar, Mariota, man, we- and you're like, oh shit. This is way better than I, I can't believe I was against this to begin with. Like that's what I think is going to happen here. I think the Falcons are going to come to their senses, give him somewhere close to what Lamar wants because I don't think he's going to get a fully guaranteed deal. But I do think that he could get 180 to 200 guaranteed, which sounds nuts, but I do think it could happen. And I do think when it happens, we're all going to be sitting here going, "Man, the NFL tried. They really tried." But you can't keep Lamar Jackson down for too long. I think he's eventually going to get something close to what he wanted. There's going to have to be a compromise because that's how business goes. But I don't think it's going to go the way that Lamar is hoping for at the top level. But the NFL is not going to get what they want, where he ends up subduing to some bullshit contract that he knows he's better than. Yeah, and if the Ravens make some kind of deal with, it's going to have to be a team in the NFC. 
they're not going to want to move on from him and keep him in the AFC. So I, I really don't know what to make of this situation. I mean, there's been so many different, I mean, collusion will obviously make sense, <laughs> um, but I don't, I just don't know what to make. There's been so many stories, so many different things. Lamar saying this, the team saying that, who do you believe? Blah, blah, blah. I just, I'm just grabbing my popcorn, dude, and sitting back and just waiting to see what happens. I do think he plays elsewhere. I do not think he's a Raven. That's unfortunate. I know I have some Raven fans in my family. I know some Raven fans in general um, that don't want him to go anywhere, and I don't blame them. Um, that's a superstar right there. Um, but um, I don't know. I really don't know. I know there was like rumblings about Washington. Atlanta's been in the mix, and now they say they're out. Um, the Panthers would be a great fit, but I think we know what they're doing now. You know what I mean? Will they trade that first round pick, that first overall pick for Lamar? Doubt it. Um, you know, um, who knows, man? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what team really makes. I think I think Atlanta is a good fit. I think that'd be a fun. Like I said, I can already like just seeing Lamar in an Atlanta Falcons jersey would just it just looks good. It just looks right. Yeah. I would just love to see him playing there. And the way that offense is ran, it would be that offense of last year just on absolute steroids. And they, would be, and they have two good running backs over there. Cordero Patterson's still over there. That'd be a fun offense with him. And then Drake London, a big body receiver that can go you know go up and get those deep balls from Lamar. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Pitts. He, I think he would absolutely open up Kyle Pitts offensively because we've seen what he can do with Mark Andrews, and Mark Andrews is not the athlete that Kyle Pitts is. Granted, Mark Andrews is great, but he's just not. Um, so that I think Atlanta is the best fit, personally. I think they, they need to work on that defense. It's not good, but um, – for fireworks reasons, I think Atlanta would be fun. Playing in a dome especially as well. Nothing to do with that Maryland nasty weather all the time. I think it would be a good change of scenery for Lamar and um, just for his psyche and his ability, I think, to also obviously maybe stay healthier playing in a dome that much. You know what I mean? Not having to deal with the you know the nasty rain in Maryland a lot and all the different cold weather they deal with out there. So who knows? It could be better for both sides. Um, but either way, I, I do believe he is playing in another jersey. I just have no idea who it is, but I'm – would guarantee and put money it's going to be somebody in the FC. With this, I think Adam Schefter made the most sense uh, as to why uh, other teams kind of get out of that bit. It's not that they don't want to trade for him or anything like that. It's just them doing the uh, the paperwork for the for the Ravens, and I think it, it and it makes sense as to why other teams don't want to do it because they don't want to do this and then sign a sheet or whatever. And then pretty much the Ravens say, here, we match, and then it's over, you know? So I, I can see why teams don't want to do that. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. I do think that he's going to stay with the Ravens. I think he's going to work out a deal with the Ravens. I don't think it's going to be what he's asking for, but I think the Ravens are going to use this to their advantage uh, and say, see, that the market's not there for you, so therefore we're not going to pay you Deshaun Watson money. Yeah, Adam Schefter did a really good job uh, defending the league that he should have made the all-pro defense team, the all-defense team for the NFL, because that was all that was. <laughs> um, Adam is the best at what he does. And he's so good at it, it almost sounds like it's the truth. That is 100% bullshit. You know how many players every single year get offer sheets from other teams? And that creates the market from that to the other team. Because you know what's going to happen with the Chiefs, with Orlando Brown Jr., and why they didn't tag him? For the very same reason. Because they're going to get an offer sheet with another team, and the Chiefs are going to get an opportunity to match that. No, because they didn't tag him, so they can't do that they can still They can still offer Orlando Brown Jr. the same exact money. That is exactly what can happen. And he can choose where I understand it's not an exclusive tag with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. The context is different, though. The Chiefs can still say, hey, hey, Orlando, we'll give you the same amount of money in the same amount of years, guaranteed dollars. You can make the choice. 
It just comes down to compensation differences because if that other team ends up trading for yeah. Lamar Jackson, it's two first-round picks, the Chiefs don't but get which, that. The point I'm making, though, is Adam Schefter is telling half-truths. Well, because Adam Schefter puts put facts out there saying when, when people when when uh, other teams do the to the sheet or whatever, uh, the other team usually always met. I, I think the last person to to uh, to not do that was uh, was it Matt Castle? I think he said. Yeah, it was, it's it's only happened once or twice. The point yeah, I'm making though so. is that the offer sheets are presented all the time. So why is this why is this so different? Because of the magnitude of the money. That's the point I'm trying to say. Follow the money. Adam Schefter is defending NFL owners for not wanting to create guaranteed contracts. The league doesn't want that. But they just can't come out and say that because that goes against the, the CBA. That goes against what the players, NFLPA and the players are going to want. You can't come out and tell the players, we're not giving a fully guaranteed contracts. You just can't come out and do that. So you have to have reporters come out here and soften the blow and say, well... They don't want them to do the homework. They don't want them to have to do all the work. That is a half-truth. Because if a team really wants Lamar Jackson, they will do that. So that's not the point. The point is the NFL's elite doesn't want this situation to be what Lamar Jackson wants it to be. Because if Lamar gets a fully guaranteed contract, guess what Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are getting? Fully guaranteed deals. They don't want that trend to continue. They want it to die. With Deshaun Watson. Why do you think Jimmy Haslam pissed off all the owners? Because they knew he fucked them over for their future deals. So that can't happen. So Adam Schefter had to go out there and put the silver tongue on it, which he's great at. I'll give him credit. Because I was listening to it. I was like, damn. Then I'm like, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. That's not how this works. Offer sheets are presented all the time. I don't want to hear that. They are offered, yes, Eddie, go look up offer sheets. You will see that every single offseason, they are out there. Offer sheets are put out there all the time. It's not something that's wild or rare. It happens. I haven't heard of it. Offer sheets happen all the time, man. I can show you the numbers. It's it's cool. The point I'm making is this is all, let me put it like this. If Lamar Jackson wasn't asking for a guaranteed contract, do you think he's not traded by now? If Lamar Jackson wasn't asking for the guaranteed dollars, a guaranteed contract, would he have already been traded by now? No, he would have a deal with the Ravens. Or that. He would have a deal with yes. the Ravens. So either way, there would be a result, right? So what's holding back the contract? His demand. Yeah, which is too high. It's based on what? Deshaun Watson just got it. That's now the market. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The league is mad because they set they set the market the way it yeah, was. Try why do you think? Why do you think Lamar that he doesn't deserve that money as much as Deshaun does? Yeah. Why do you think Kyler Murray got the contract MVP. he got? Kyler got what 160 million guaranteed. Yep. You think Kyler Murray's worth that money? <laughs> Fuck no, he's not. Hell no. He ain't half the player Lamar Jackson is. MVP of the league, man. So this is what I'm talking about, Eddie. The only holdup is the guaranteed dollars. The league doesn't want to be that. Doesn't want that trend to continue. Yeah. It, that's that is the holdup. Somebody's gonna pay up, period. They won't guarantee. I don't think he's getting a fully guaranteed no, he's deal, not but it's gonna not, be something someone, close. Yeah. If he gets, I, I bet you, if he gets one hundred and ninety yeah. guaranteed or two hundred guaranteed, he signs it. Yeah. Which I think could be the which I, it's gonna be the Ravens. If the Ravens were gonna do that, why didn't they do it the last two years? Because he wants a fully guaranteed. Eddie, I my, think this this is what the Ravens are doing, so they don't have to do a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah, like, I know. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly what the, that's what we're saying. That could work Eddie, in their favor. That's, why that's, I, that's what that's I'm saying. Why I said the rest of the league is working together because the rest of the league doesn't want to have to fork out that kind of guaranteed money. It's not going to get that's, Eddie, that's, it's not that they, it's not that he can't get it. It's that when the league is working against you, it's going to make it sound like nobody would give you that. But they're doing that so they don't. So other teams down the road don't have to do it. They're, trying to, they're trying to reset yeah. the market. They're, they're back trying to, to protect reality. themselves. Yeah. yeah. So he could he what? could still sign with the Ravens, but I, I yeah. see what you're saying. I see both both things could be. If the Ravens were going to pay Lamar Jackson, they'd already done. It. You know why? Because the last two seasons he missed time. Yeah. Before I, that, he was a healthy player. I do if think they he's were going to give it to him. They had already given it to him. I do think a bridge has been burnt here. Yes. But he's but, not going back. Yeah. yeah. He's not coming back to the Ravens. I think I think there's I think there's more than just money reasons here going on with the Ravens. I think a, a personal bridge has been burnt between him and that franchise. Well, especially yes. when you have their Eric DaCosta come out talking shit on Rashad Bateman, mm-hmm. saying that we've been missing on our wide receivers. Like, bruh, Rashad Bateman literally came out and said, "Why don't you quit pointing the finger and start doing better with us? Because I'm getting injured and our medical staff ain't shit." Like he's like, "Come on now, give me a break here." I agree that Lamar hasn't gotten the weapons that other guys have gotten. That's true, but that's a whole other problem. The problem is that the weapons he does have, they can't stay healthy for some damn reason. Yeah. All right. Agree to disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's talk uh, Carolina trading uh, for the number one uh, pick in the uh, NFL draft uh, with Chicago. Yeah, I didn't see Plus this happening. DJ Moore. I, I, yeah, I did not see this happening. The the trade compensation was insanely great for the Bears. Uh, you could tell, first of all, that Ryan Poles paid attention to Brett Veach and the way he'd used his tactics because this was a fleeced by Veach trade if I've ever seen one. Having said that, I think the Panthers have a great chance here of, of, of also having a mutual win with this trade because I... And I talked to my guy, I don't know, I mean, we had a private conversation, but he's he's a great guy. He's a friend of the show, Charles Goldman from Chiefs Wire. We were talking yesterday, and I, he echoed the sentiments that I have been having about Anthony Richardson from Florida. I know he's super raw. He didn't have a great college career, but a lot of great quarterbacks didn't have great college careers. They just had that thing about them, that potential, that raw just skill set, and that is what Anthony Richardson is. I think the Panthers, if they get him, they can mutually win this trade because the Pan- the Bears are set up. They got themselves a star, DJ Moore, a, a, a wide receiver for Justin Fields. They have a plethora of picks now to just build around Justin Fields, which I think Justin Fields is getting disrespected this offseason. People are talking about they, they need to trade him away and get Bryce Young. Guys, Bryce Young, I'm putting my name on it. He is not going to be a star in this league. Bryce Young is five foot ten. And 200 pounds after eating all that pasta before the fucking combine. There, there's name me a single great quarterback that was under six foot tall. I'll help you. I'll save you time. They don't exist. It doesn't happen. Drew Brees. Kyler Murray's not a great quarterback. Never will be. The point I'm making Drew is, huh? Drew Brees was six foot tall. Yeah, with cleats on, I guess. But I, even, I don't think he's six. Feet. But even let's let's say let's say Drew Brees is thrown into this. Is that not the outlier? If you want yeah. the, if one there was like 26 of them, you have one guy that you could pick from the whole pot. Like, that's my point. But not to go off on Bryce, Bryce Young. The point I'm making is the Panthers put themselves in a position to get the guy they want. Could it be C.J. Stroud? Yeah. I, there's Justin Herbert comp, comps on him. He could very well be the guy. Yeah, hell of an arm. Yeah. The point I'm making is that I said, I told you guys this throughout the last couple weeks, that I wanted to see Anthony Richardson fall to the Panthers because Frank Reich is the perfect coach for him to develop him. You guys remember Carson Wentz's one MVP-esque season? You know who his OC was? Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. Frank Reich has developed quarterbacks in this league. Just Andrew Luck's best seasons were under who? 
Frank Wright. Didn't work out for him in Indy, but yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the, the point I'm making <laughs> is that, that he got a lot out of the quarterbacks he's had. Mm-hmm. You just, get a talent like that. Ju- uh, just to add to your do – you, do you think uh, Anthony Richardson was a first overall option before the combine, or do you think the combine did that? I hate the combine, okay? I absolutely hate it. I think you need to go off film of the, of the games, but unfortunately – it does help and hurt guys. It does. It, well, it's, it's that's the unfortunate reality. Because that's, yeah, that's like, Richardson's saying. gotten all the hype. Nobody, nobody expected well, him to go first overall until no, after yeah, the you're combine. You're 100 right about that. But he was still projected to be a first round pick. So yeah, it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like he was some like nobody that oh holy shit. Well, I mean, he went from late first round pick to uh, they had him potentially like, first. Overall. I think they had him as like the fourth overall quarterback to be picked before the combine. So I agree. I, I know where you're going with that, and that makes total sense. I, I do think the combine inflates certain things. But I'm saying I, I'm not going. I, Dude, I'm be honest with you. I didn't watch one fucking thing from him at the combine. You know what I did? I went and watched his film because I don't watch Florida Gator games. I, I hit the no. combine too. I, I went and watched his film, and I'm like, that is black Josh Allen, like straight up. Dude, this kid has an absolute cannon. Can run so better. You're gonna hate him too? <laughs> no, you know I love Josh Allen. It's, it's Josh Allen. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like he has. The skill sets that quarter that, that current quarterbacks in today's era have to have. Yeah, you have to be mobile and you have to be able to throw at all angles and from all, all over the field. He has it, man. Mm-hmm. You get him like if you if he ends up on like the Texans or like a team like that. Like I I'm I'm because you we all know a lot of times it comes down to not when you get drafted but where you get drafted. He could end up on the Texans. and I think Frank. I'm just saying if Frank Wright ends up getting him with the Panthers. Yeah, I think that's the perfect spot for him right now based upon the teams that are going to be in the top ten. I think that's the perfect guy, but CJ Stroud, I like him too. I that's, think he can have a really good career. The with Carolina. I, I don't, I don't really care about Will Levis. I don't think he's going to be. I, I don't, I didn't see enough of him in Kentucky. I, I, I don't believe in Bryce Young at all. He's, the, he's the, every, every class, every class. He's my Zach Wilson in this class. Mm. He's better than Zach Wilson, bro. I no 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 don't no, don't 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 get me wrong. Don't yeah. Bryce Young is a better. Pl- I'm saying. saying he's going to be the bust as far of as this. The expectations yes. meet the he's going to be the bust of this draft class. I'm not saying they're the same player. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. There's don't a lot wrong. of hype coming in on Bryce that. Young is way better than Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. saying that I don't believe in a player of his magnitude and his size and strength to come into this league and flourish. I just don't believe it. Maybe I'll be wrong. And I'll be hey, and I'll be happy for Bryce Young. I'll be stoked for him. I just don't see it at his size. I mean, Kyler did burst onto the scene pretty well in the NFL in his early Kyler's a freak athlete. Uh, well, so, I mean he was a first round pick in the MLB too. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. I mean, Bryce Young isn't that guy. Bryce Young is the athlete. Dude, he's not. Athlete. He's not close to the athlete. He's not, he's not nearly as mobile. But I mean, yeah, that's what I, got I, Kyler I agree. The size thing yeah, definitely Kyler matters. Man. The wrong sport. I'm just gonna say that. It's starting to look like he's that. very talented. He's just kind of a knucklehead, man. But um, but yeah. Uh, what was the question though? Exactly. The, what was the original? Panthers, Panthers, the oh, training yeah, just, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. just reacting to it. I don't know how the fuck we got. The, yeah. Well, I was talking about Anthony Richardson. What I think the Panthers gonna do. My initial reaction is that they lost this trade. Um, losing, uh, I believe, it was a top tier ability wise and talent wise receiver and DJ Moore. I feel like there was, I didn't think they, they gave up too much to get that pick, in my opinion, for for a quarterback that might be their guy. I know, I mean, we we've seen guys come into the combine and dominate the combine. We've seen guys that are super hype coming into. The, it's just, I mean, I know you got to take that chance because they do need a quarterback. They could have traded for a Derek Carr. They didn't. They could have made these other moves. They didn't. They could have got Jameis. They could have got Baker. They could have made these moves. Whatever they had, Baker or whatever. Um, I feel like they gave up too much. In my opinion, they gave up what like four or five picks and DJ Moore. I just that's it's a lot, man. And they they better they better really truly believe they have their guy, and they probably do. But if it's one of those guys, and I mean, real quick, real quick, if you were the if you were the Panthers, would you give that up to get Josh Allen? 
Yes. But we but, know what John. Hold on. I'm not. That's all. That's I'm, I'm not like I'm gonna well, drop the mic after that. I'm I saying, got more to add to that. But yeah. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, yeah, I would bring in Josh Allen, but then who's he throwing the ball to? Because you just gave up the number one receiver. That's fair. We've seen Josh Allen without legit weapons, and he's not very. good. But you would agree that you could probably. Based upon the law of averages, find another DJ more in the draft before you find another Oof. Josh Allen. Before you find another Josh Allen? Yeah. yeah Josh Allen's yeah. one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen. Yes. You know? <laughs> um, but we've also seen him be god-awful without someone to throw the ball to who's a legitimate elite talent. And that's why I'm saying there's context to it. Because of the fact that we also think that Josh Allen has also suffered because of the fact he has a defensive-minded head coach. But Frank Wright yeah. is an offensive-minded head I coach. I say that, but I would still take that risk because you build around quarterbacks, not wide receivers. Thank you. But at the same time, bringing in... Bringing in the young quarterback, which they they probably will draft a receiver in this draft as well. I'm sure they'll probably try to bring in a pair together and see if they can create something with these two young players, or whatever. I'm sure that's their plan. I mean, that would make sense because they have no one else to throw the ball to there right now. Um, so I, it, it's a risk, but I mean, I, I respect I respect the the um, the, the risk of yeah the balls the, <laughs> the yeah the, the, the to make that move to trade. I, I feel like it was too much me personally to just to go and move that and get that pick. I think. They could maybe moved up to the third spot or so. They're already already sitting at nine. I feel like they could have moved into like the top four or so and still got a decent quarterback and took a risk on one of those guys if one of those fall. But what if what if they knew their guy was going to be gone before pick three? Because we know there's gonna be four there's gonna be four quarterbacks that are gone before the ninth pick. Well, they knew the Bears weren't going after a quarterback, so trading with the Bears makes sense. But we know the Texans. We know that the uh, yeah. But I'm else? saying there's 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 a lot of talented quarterbacks in this draft, and then one of those guys falls. Say they're got. I mean, I get it. You want to you want to you want to you want to get rid of any uh, uh, possibility that you're going to miss out on your guy, and I get that. That's why I say I respect the fact that they they had the balls to make that move and pull the trigger. I feel like they gave up a lot. I feel like in hindsight, this might be a mistake. Yeah. Which I mean, you can say that about almost any draft pick. Well, I mean, literally like this. Okay. So we knew that the Bears, like you said, were not going to take a quarterback into first overall. They have their guy, yeah. But then after that, there's the Texans at two, yeah. which we all know are going to go quarterback. Absolutely. There are the Colts at four, which we all know are going quarterback. Sure. There's Seattle. They just they got Geno on basically a two-year deal. They could still go for a quarterback at five. Possibly. Detroit, they have one year left on Jared Goff's deal. We don't know what they're going to do. Las Vegas Raiders at seven. Mm. Falcons at eight. Yeah. Quarterback to quarterback. You know, that's and then, true. then there was the Panthers at nine. Shelves. Yeah, that's so, true. That's five well, that's teams right there. But like I was saying, they could have traded up to like the third spot, not have to give up DJ Moore, and having and still got a top three quarterback in this draft. Uh, uh, and not traded with the Bears because the Bears probably wouldn't, wouldn't have taken a quarterback, and you still have a top two quarterback in the draft, and not have to give up DJ. That's why I'm saying yeah. maybe they I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe they were. I'm just saying maybe they were hearing from the Texans and, and Colts like, hey, we're gonna take your quarterback. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the Chiefs moved up 17 but spots because they knew they were gonna get Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, because yeah. the Saints they didn't were picking move up 17 up. spots to get a quarterback. Yeah, they moved up 17 spots to get specifically Patrick. The Mahomes. Saints were picking up the next pick. And Thank you. I just and the Cardinals were looking at us too. Right now. There was probably the Texans and those other teams were probably in talks with with the Bears to try to get that that uh, yeah, first so they probably had trade packages to get that first round pick but DJ Moore was the one that put them over the top. So they had yes, outbid. We'll take that. They had to outbid that. That makes sense. Do you know and what, if you get your franchise quarterback, yeah. none yeah. of this matters anymore. You know what the, they had to do. Do you know yeah. what the Bears could potentially do now that they got those extra Bro, five Bears picks? They can trade for D Hop. That's also a thing. I don't think that's going to happen. Claypool, I, D-Hop, and DJ Moore? I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think because of the fact they have Claypool <laughs> and, D, and, and and they're already paying money to DJ Moore. I don't know if you've seen his contract. His, his oh, contract yeah. is pretty steep. Yeah, I don't bad, think bad. that's going to happen. They had the biggest cap space in think, the entire league, though. I think though. it's realistic that OBJ could go there. OBJ could be a, a nice little piece that Chicago could think about. 
They don't have to trade for him. Well, but, yeah. but now I the, think, the, I think the and they got Cole Komet, who's a legitimate young tight end in this league. I think, I think Eberflus is going to build this team as like kind of like the Chiefs do. Because why? Yeah. Ryan Poles is running things. Yep. Ryan Poles is from Kansas City. We know that they like to have young rookies. As right now, the Bears definitely won that trade, in my opinion. Yes. As it looks right now, yes. Yeah. But if I, I'm telling you guys, if you if you think that Anthony Richardson can be what I think he could be, he looks. It would be. It would. If Anthony Richardson becomes Josh Allen. That trade is like this. Dude, we felt this way about a lot of guys, and we've seen them bust oh, yeah. bad. But you would agree Especially that Frank Reich... Like but that. you like Frank Reich. I mean, I, I would think he's a, one of the best developing head coaches in the league when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah. You get... Even C.J. Stroud, you get him with Frank Reich. I'm just saying, guys, mm-hmm. it, it can be really good. Yeah. Really good. We'll see. D-hop to the Bears, I call it. <laughs> is that it? Oh, dude. <laughs> you got more? My bad. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a hefty package, man. Yeah. Thank you. That's what she said. Right. <laughs> <laughs> lastly, we'll go UFC. Lastly, uh, we'll go uh, UFC 285. Let's go with the 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 co-main event, uh, which made uh, made its rounds around the uh, UFC, made some noise. Mm. Uh, great, great fight. Uh, Alexa Grasso versus uh, something Shevchenko. Sorry for her first name. <laughs> if it wasn't for Leon Edwards knocking out Usman with like 15 seconds left, I would say that's the best upset I've ever seen. It's incredible, man. When they went into that, I think when they were in the octagon, Grasso or uh, Shevchenko was like a, a, a minus eight fifty favorite, which is basically means you're almost guaranteed to win. And she not only lost, but Grasso beat her in her own game. Shevchenko is an incredible grappler and wrestler, and she choked that bitch out. No, no offense, I'm just saying, like she choked <laughs> that bitch out, like straight up, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what Grasso did in that fight. Never, never giving up, dude. Like you saw, there were times Shevchenko was making it look easy. And you're like, no, Grosso just keeps coming at her, man. And just never gave up. And one, that one mistake Shevchenko made Viva, when, he, when, when Shevchenko gave up her back, mm-hmm. that's all it took. And then Grosso just capitalized. And seeing, just a side note, seeing the, the Mexican uh, uh, world coming into the UFC the way yeah, it is, man. and you're starting to see these dominant performances, bro, this is what makes UFC so fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It's like baseball and soccer. It's a sport that is you really a global cultures. brand. Unite cultures. Like, no offense, but yeah. you don't see a lot of Mexican dudes in the NBA. You don't see a lot of Mexican dudes in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen very often. But you see them now in the UFC and in, in the MLS and the MLB. Like, you're seeing these guys now. Uh, Mexican, the best Mexican athletes have always been what? Boxing. Yeah. Boxing and, so now it's starting to kind of – Now, now it makes sense. Now young guys yeah. transition when they're like 11, 12 years old and they're really developing their, their hands. Now you're starting to transition them to the octagon. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, man, hey, who's to say that in 10, 15 years – Half of the UFC roster is Mexican dudes because we've seen Brazil and other other uh, countries supply it on demand. Yeah, we went from three African champions to three Mexican yep. champions, just like that, man. And then we have the eighteen-year-old kid that just dominated. Come I, on, America! Come who's on, the same, man! Come on, Viva Los Mexicos, man! I'm saying, dude, it looks good right now. I love it, man. Grasso, what an incredible feat, dude! I went nuts for her. I'm, I'm not even like a biggest yeah. fan or anything. I just Bro. seeing her do that. She was, like, a, this she, was a, she was a what? A, a plus like 400, 450 oh, or something like easily. that. The biggest dog of the night. Yeah, dude. She was the biggest dog of the night and she choked her. That shit was wild. Yeah, I, I mean, and, the, and the, when you watch the tape and her face, how pale it is with the, the squeeze, <laughs> her squeeze spot was. Pale. That was she insane. Even, she didn't even choke her. No. It was like over her, over her chin. Yeah, her so you know it hurt like a motherfucker, Bro. dude. Yeah, she tapped probably just because of the pain, not yeah. because she couldn't breathe. Yeah. yeah. 
That was wild, man. And yeah, kudos to her, man. Like that was I I I had no faith in Grasso going out there and winning. I know she's a great striker, but the, that's that was the best part to me. Is she's known for her striking ability, and her hands are great, bro. Some of the best hands I've seen in a while. Yep. Kind of like Amanda Nunes a little bit, how she can strike, but even better, honestly, better hands than Amanda Nunes, in my opinion. She looks Ooh. the way she throws hands. I'm just saying, bro. Looks like a disrespectful. No, man. I'm not. But Amanda Nunes is great. It's like taking you down Dude, and dominating. Yeah. You. I'm not saying Amanda. Nunes, <laughs> she has better knockout power. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Amanda's got like, combos, Grosso, bro. Grosso's one. Her, I think her six last fights were by knockout. I think her, yeah. TKOs and knockouts. Yeah. So she's dude. Her hands. I'm just saying the fluidity of her hands were just ridiculous. Yep. Um, but the fact that she's known for that, and then she won. She beat the best in the game at the, at this point in that, in that weight class by submitting her. Yeah. You know who the last person to beat Shevchenko was? Amanda Nunes. That's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> so yeah, bro. I, so that that tells you. It was very very impressive. And I couldn't be more happier for her and the Hispanic uh, uh, side of, it, of, of the, the whole fan base. And you know the new wave of Hispanic champions that are becoming in here, Mexican champions. Um, it's awesome, man. Guy, my guy Moreno, the post-fight interview, and he came in there and gave her a hug. That was I, awesome. How can you not fucking love That's that guy, bro? He's the best. I just, yeah, I'm so happy for her, man. It was, it was an incredible performance for sure. This only uh, promotes the UFC to do a big, big pay-per-view in Mexico. Hell yeah. Bro, it was for incredible. September, maybe September 15th would be bro, a perfect September day. September. Australia, Indep- Australia, to me, was the best so far. That bulk fight, that, the, the crowd in Australia was incredible. I can imagine what Mexico was And like, bro. the crazy thing is with Mexico, you can use... Estadio Azteca, which is like the biggest soccer stadium oh, in yeah. Latin oh, America. So the Mexican Independence Day is September 15th? Sub- yeah, uh, 16. 16. Okay. The weekend, that Saturday is the 14th. It's mm-hmm. perfect. Dude, that's, it's Canelo, perfect. That, that's Canelo's fights. Oh, yeah. yeah. Canelo oh. fights usually that day. Uh, that and uh, the Cinco de Mayo weekend. That's when Canelo fights. Uh, he's fighting. Uh, Canelo's fighting the Cinco de Mayo weekend this week, this stoked, year. But I don't think he he's found an opponent yet because, I mean... Everybody's scared of him. No, he's <laughs> just it's a cheater. Why, why don't your boy Jake Paul get in there? He cheats. He probably beat. Oh him. no, wait, wait. He's too, he's too busy running for Money Mayweather. That's right. I, 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 I mean, th- there was more than just Money contest. Mayweather. There's a whole. There was like a whole. It's like twenty of them. I thought Bro, Jake Paul had hands. I thought Jake Paul had hands. You won't run for twenty people. Yeah, two hands against 15, 16 you, hands. You won't run for twenty people. I'm gonna do the John Snow. I'm gonna take my belt off and pull off my sword. Like, let's go, bitches, Stop, and then dude. get my yeah, ass shut beat. Shut the fuck up. In the glory. So you rather get your ass beat than be like John and die? Yeah. yeah exactly. Well, John. Did, well, okay, he kind of died before. Yeah, he but did. Well, he did die. He did. <laughs> no, he, he. Not in that moment. He, he was. Well, he dead. died. Like. <laughs> died. Died. He did. The red no spoilers, guys. Oh shit! Watch GOT yet? Fuck. Yeah, if you haven't, loser, loser. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, there's that. And then now the main event, uh, John Bone Jones against uh, Sargon. I told you guys that I have been upset with John, all the other shit, right? But I picked him because I knew what he is, which is the greatest fighter in UFC, MMA, whatever you want to call it, history. I expected him to win this fight by unanimous decision, which meant I, I felt he was going to put on a really good performance and just you know be tactical and work his way through Sorogon, who is a proven worthy opponent. The only loss Sorogon ever had was against Francis Ngannou. I can't believe what Bones Jones did. Sorogon is six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds, and moves like a gazelle, and he beat this man within two minutes. He walked him, turned him around, put him up against the fence, and choked that motherfucker while looking into his fucking soul. How do you explain Bones Jones at this point? Damn, the man, man gained 40 pounds. Hasn't fought, hasn't fought in the UFC in three years. 
and soundly, quickly, efficiently beat one of the UFC's best fighters in their prime. Mm-hmm. That there, there's, He is the GOAT, and it's not even close. It is him, massive gap, and like Khabib. And then it's Anderson Silva and all the other guys. We had our list last week. We talked about this. <sighs> but there is a massive gap from, from one. And Bones stands alone. I, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how much longer he's going to fight. I have no idea. I don't think, as it's currently constructed, there is a single man in MMA that can beat him. I, it's, it's, I don't want to veer off too much, but now they're announcing that him and Stipe Miocic are fighting. He's going to murder Stipe Miocic. <laughs> I love Stipe. He's probably the best heavyweight in UFC history. Yep. The man is 41 years old and hasn't fought in like two years. He's, he's not ready man. for this. He's, he's not ready for Bones. Bones is going to obliterate him. This is why I said I wanted to see them give a Sergey Pavlovich an opportunity against Jones because he is 30 years old, has been knocking out literally everybody, yep. and is the perfect recipe for Bones Jones. If you can walk through Sorrell Gone like that at 31 years old, what do you think he's going to do to a guy that's 10 years older and about 25 pounds lighter? He's going to walk through Stipe. He's going to walk through him. There's nobody that can beat him. I think Sergey Pavlovich is the best that, that that can stand up against him right now outside of Francis Ngannou. But even if UFC and Francis Ngannou repair this, Francis Ngannou is going to be 37 years old this year. I don't think Francis Ngannou had a chance I don't think he's either. got it, man. Exactly. And the only chance Francis would have against Jones is if he knocked him out. Who's knocking out Bones Jones? Not, Not a single human being. Me? The only person, guys, look, the only man that's been able to take out Bones Jones is himself. Yep. He is the only person that can beat Bones Jones. He's the greatest of all time. He's solidified that. He doesn't ever he doesn't have to fight again. But he's going to. He's gonna run through Stipe and just add to his legacy because I mean if you look at it, title fences title defenses aside, look at the names that Bones has beaten in his career. It is absurd yeah. how many legends this man has beaten. And a lot of them was when they're at their best. Shogun, Machida, all the Daniel Cormier, all those guys were at their Twice. they were still at their best. And he was whooping them. Beating him, knocking him out, finishing him, all that stuff. Dude, he's playing with Daniel Cormier in half of those fights. So it's just it's it's a foregone conclusion. Quit, don't bad, whatever you want to do. It, it's over. The goat conversation is over. I don't see anybody ever passing him. Yeah, I definitely called it uh, a win by KO or TKO in this fight. I, I just I knew this this fight was going to go the distance. I just knew it. Um, I've watched. I've kept up with Jones the whole the whole this whole three year hiatus. His training regimen. Um, this has been insane. He's worked with a lot of like military tactical stuff. Um, he's just been, he's just, I know he's been in the lab. I know he hasn't been actually fighting. He's been training, obviously, and been rolling with a lot of people in training, but he, it's always different when you get into the octagon and actually do the damn thing. But I've kept up with him, man. I love the guy dearly. He's, he's been one of the brightest spots and brightest athletes in, 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 in my lifetime and watching context or, uh, full, you know, mixed martial arts and context sports like this, uh, uh, combat sports. Um, he's the greatest, man. He just simply is the greatest, and it's um, it's really not even close, like you said, Lance. And uh, the fact that he went out there and absolutely just embarrassed Cyril Gone, a guy that is an absolute force <laughs> to anyone else, like he, it, it, he would intimidate damn near anyone else. But he goes out there and chokes a guy out, and you know, forty-five to a minute twenty within that range. I can't remember exactly how long it was, but it was within the first couple minutes of the, of the first round. Um, just the epitome, man. The epitome of greatness. And his family, I mean, uh, we need to test. We need to test that, that their bloodline, man. We need it whenever they're done. We need to, 
examine their brains, examine the, the bone structure. All these have things. his dad become like surrogate fathers, like across the board, yeah. right? Just build an army of just he's a star, yeah. Do it. Pull the Elon Musk man. Just start just hiring a bunch of surrogate women. You know what I mean? Just please. We need more of the Jones boys in this in this in this world, man. Um, just absolute freaks. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew this, this fight wasn't going to go the distance. I, John Jones was coming back with a vengeance. Um, he was all business, man. He was, it was lights out quickly. So I was stoked. I was happy. It happened so fast. We didn't really get a chance. There's been so many memes and like videos coming out about people like just yeah. sitting down with their food to start watching the fight, and then they immediately get up with their food. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> it's already over. You, th- you thought you thought they were warming up, like <laughs> yeah. they're gonna feel each other out a little bit. No, yeah. it's over. And yeah, like no one, none of us even we had people over here. We had people over here watching the fight. Good thing I didn't pay for. You didn't even know how to react. Yeah, Shit, yeah, man. Still holding me all night. <laughs> but yeah, um, John Jones, man, is the the goat, no doubt. That's it for me. Great Eddie Hour. We appreciate it every week. It's my favorite segment of the week. And you can catch that here at the Spoken Podcast. If you guys ever wanted to, you know, have your, you know, whatever your name is, hour, hit us up in the chat. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and we will get to your comments, your concerns, your questions, whatever the hell y'all want to talk about. You already know how this goes, man. We have fun with you guys every week. We have one more order of business to attend to, guys. What is it called? Hold, Hold this L. Each and every week we finish off every single episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether those L's are friendly or unfriendly L's in the world of sports, we promise you, who is ever holding the L in the world of sports? Deserve those L's in the world of sports. Mr. Eddie Ortiz, I'll go right back to you. Mr. Yo, 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 who's holding the L for you this week and why is it F1? I'm going to give it to Mercedes and F1. Yes. Yes. Um, All last year we kept hearing, it's like, oh, we have a bad car, yada, yada, yada. Then they were like, okay, we're going to stop developing this year so we can develop next year's car and we're going to be competitive. We're going to be back. We're going to be the team, uh, obviously, that everybody expects to be. Testing comes along. They underperform. They were like, "Yeah, we don't know where, where our car went wrong or whatnot. Uh, we're gonna make some adjustments for the race and then go on from there." Race comes along. They're nowhere near the pace. They're they they just can't can't seem to be uh, there to fight for the win or fight for even the top three spots. Uh, the drivers start complaining about the car, how bad the car is. Lois Hamilton publicly comes out, says that uh, the engineers didn't listen to to uh, what he had to say last year about last year's car. He said that the drivers know exactly what a car needs because they're obviously they're the ones driving the car. They so uh, they didn't listen to his requests. Uh, and this is publicly out there from Lewis Hamilton. Uh, he tried to retract it in another interview, saying this like I trust my team a hundred percent. Yada yada. The damage is done. You yeah. pretty much went out there and said that the car was shit. Yeah. So when both your drivers and then your your uh, team boss comes out and says that our car is a piece of shit, it doesn't work, and now there's rumors uh, circulating the the internet about how Mercedes is gonna take all the money from this year and just gonna move it into next year's car. So we're already talking about they already gave up for the season. We're one race in. Yeah. It's a twenty. 23 race calendar year this year so there's still 22 races left and there's already rumors saying that mercedes is already uh forfeiting this year and that they're just gonna uh start planning the car for next year that's insane so i mean i i don't know where they went wrong their team they're they're obviously their drivers are not happy with the car team boss is not happy with the car 
they gave the uh and i think they gave one of the top engineers an ultimatum about how they need to bring up a, a big upgrade for the car and i think it's like uh, race number five or i think yeah i think it's race five so yeah man it's not looking promising for mercedes especially after going eight years dominating this uh this sport eight straight years uh obviously we know that they went into new regulations new engines new cars new everything uh last year last year was the first year of the new car the new era uh and then 2026 will be begin a, a different era because we'll have different engines and and, and and stuff like that i think it's a zero emission engine or something like mm. that so it's it's crazy that we don't know what we're gonna see from from Mercedes from now until 2026 when the new regulations kick in. I think they're gonna struggle. Uh, I, I think they've they've proven that, especially being back to back years. I think we're we're gonna see a Mercedes uh, team just kind of be uh, top of the mid tier, if that makes any sense. So they'll be mid tier, but they'll be the top of the mid tier. So I think that's what we're going to see for for the next few years until 2026. So, God, Mercedes giving up so quick. Drivers coming out. Team boss talking shit. This team is falling apart. So for that reason, Mercedes, you have to do me a favor and uh, hold this L. Trevor Twiddle, who's holding L for you this week? So we did slightly touch on the uh, the Jake Paul fight against Tommy Fury. And we all know on February, tw- February 26th, <laughs> Jake Paul finally fought a legitimate boxer. Um, and Tommy Fury and uh, did lose uh, the fight ultimately. Uh, but there has been some excuses coming out from not only Jake Paul himself, but the camp in, in general. Um, I'm just going to read this article to you real quick. So Jake Paul has come up with another excuse for his loss to Tommy Fury, and it may be the best one yet. The YouTuber, now also a boxer, lost for the first time in his young career, suffering a defeat via split decision in Saudi Arabia last month. To be fair, Paul has handled the loss surprisingly well, but has dished out a few excuses since even blaming Drake. <clears throat> he also he also cited jet lag and illness since the loss. His latest excuse surfaced while while on uh, Logan's podcast, Impulsive where he claimed that a wet dream from the night before the fight was the one of the reasons he lost. This was a serious uh, clip. You can actually go look it up. Jake said he has abstained from sex for two weeks in order to build up testosterone so he could be more aggressive in the ring, but experienced an unprompted release while in bed the night before. Listen, I'm not a scientist, guys. Listen, this is a um, – that is a myth. Just wanted you guys to know it actually drops your testosterone if you were abstained from sex. Um, when you actually have more sex frequently, it actually raises your testosterone. So uh, don't do that. Um yeah, so that that is a and this is a quote I believe. Do you think your wet dream played any part in in, in it at all? When he was asked on the impulsive uh, uh, asked by Logan, um, he said, "I don't know if we should talk. I don't know if we should talk about this." He replied, seemingly surprised by his brother's question, because he I guess Logan had brought it up before. Either way, I, listen, I like I like the the whole charade that's going on not saying that he's fake not saying that there is some fakeness going on to this and he's a very good marketing guy these they both they're both very good athletes him and his brother both um but this the fact that he's lost he lost this fight when he actually fought a legitimate current modern day fighter who's actually a boxer who's in, actually that, not even that, in good. that world who's a yeah who's a low bar damn near jobber he comes from a great lineage mind you obviously from the fury family there uh but the fact that that he lost that that Jake had lost his fight, 
And I've, I've banked on every single fight Jake. I picked Jake in every single fight up until this one because I just this, I just knew that this was going to be the one who lost. And the fact that he initially blamed Drake, which I felt like was a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I feel like that was a real excuse. That's fun. Because he funny. knows Drake. Yeah. Um, and the whole Drake curse thing is fun to talk about, even though he hates a lot as well. Um, Pick the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Exactly. So, um, and then he also goes on to blame jet lag, even though everyone flew into Saudi Arabia. He wasn't the only one that flew into Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. So did Tommy. Uh, you know what I mean? A lot. I'm not making. I mean, I'm not making up an excuse, but it's a less of a time change from England to Saudi Arabia. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but they all have to fly a decent time, going to different time zones. Um, yeah, so, and then he also, then the, obviously the, the haymaker of an excuse was a, a whole, good old wet dream. We all been there. Um, so, I don't think I need to add much more to the, uh, the excuse list there and to how pathetic that even is to even be uttered by a, um, a professional, what he want to, wants to call himself. And I, even, this is me, a guy that defends him frequently, but that's just, uh, it's pretty funny to me. So, for that, Jake Paul, do me a solid favor, buddy, and hold this L. What a bust. <clears throat> yeah. I'll play this guy of this this minute clip real quick. Um, you guys know I have my issues with officiating in all sports. I think that these leagues are so piss poor when it comes to putting out quality officiating on a consistent basis. Mm. The NBA has been really struggling this year and it's only gotten worse. And our guy Fred Van Fleet, I'm giving him an absolute W today. And it ties in with my L. Because after this 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 game this week, um, when uh, Fred VanVleet got his eighth technical of the season, which was the third by this particular ref by the name of Ben Taylor, which he mentions, uh, the third by him of his eight, and the other another one of those was by an official in Ben Taylor's crew uh, this season as well. Fred VanVleet finally had enough and spoke out and spoke out about it. To the media about Ben Taylor about the NBA officiating. I want you guys to get the give this a listen because it's rich. I mean, I don't mind it. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, um, Ben Taylor was fucking terrible tonight. Um, I thought that on most nights, you know, a couple of the, you know, out of the three, there's one or two that just fucked the game up. You know, and it's it's, it's been like that a couple couple games in a row. Um, Denver was tough, obviously. You come out tonight, you compete pretty hard. The third quarter, I get a bullshit tech. Changes the whole dynamic of the game. Changes the whole flow of the game. And, um, you know, most of the refs are trying hard. I like a lot of the refs are trying hard. They're pretty fair. They communicate well. And then you got the other ones who just want to be dicks and um, just kind of fucks the game up. Nobody's coming to see that shit. They come to see the players. And um, I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was. And um, it's been disappointing this season. Um, you can look up most of my texts this year have been with Ben Taylor officiator. So... At a certain point as a player, you feel it's personal. And um, it's never a good place to be. That's not why we lost tonight. We got outplayed. Um, but it definitely makes it tougher to overcome. I mean, I don't mind. I mean, that's about as uh, fair and balanced of, and honest of a take as you're going to get from a, a, a professional player. Because we all know the professional athletes now try to keep it very, like they try to toe that line, whether it's to not get fined or not to bring distractions to their team. But what I loved about what Fred Van Fleet did, Vliet did in that that, convert, that that clip is he did not blame the ref for the loss. He did not make excuses for himself or his team as to why they lost. He sat there and he was just openly honest about the fact that these kind of things do frustrate players to the point where it does alter games at times, which we have seen. 
whether the player gets thrown out or just a bullshit technical, free throws are assessed, and all of a sudden that can be the deciding factor of a game, which has happened before, and we've seen that happen. Fred VanVleet did everything that every player has wanted to do. I think that some players have been fr- afraid of the of the totals, the fines that they can get. It's a maximum. It's a maximum of fifty thousand dollars that you can get fined for saying things of that nature. But Fred Van Fleet did not care about that whatsoever. He felt that it was worth saying these things. And and the biggest part about it was, which transitions and segues to the L that I'm giving tonight today, is naming the official. Because what have I? What have we been talking about for so long here, and a lot of other people have been saying as well that these officials need to be held to the same standard as these players because they play a part in how these games are decided. Mm-hmm. So if they make a bullshit call or if they give a technical out of emotion, not because it's a part of what they need to be doing in the in the confines of the game, they need to be put on question. They need to be put all out there in front of everybody and ask, "Why did you call that? Why did you do this?" And they need to answer for themselves and be accountable. That doesn't happen. So what Fred just did is make that guy accountable because now Ben Taylor forever will be known by his name and whenever he is officiating the Raptors or a game that Fred is in or even any game randomly, people are going to be paying attention even more so. And we can't pretend like these guys are innocent lambs because Tim Donahue has a whole fucking book about him fixing games. We've seen the Kings in the early 2000s. Trevor, close your, close your ears real quick. La, la, la. We saw the Kings literally lose a playoff series to the Lakers because Tim Donahue fixed it. Literally fixed it. So that is a problem we have in this league still. And when I saw, I watched the video to make sure that I wasn't tripping. Fred claps when a foul call was made. He just claps like this. And he's walking away and he's saying something, not even in the direction of Ben Taylor. And Ben Taylor tees him up. That is inexcusable. Do you see the one on uh, Jordan Poole recently? Yes. That they changed? They he took threw off the, the ball? He literally bounced passes the ball to the ball to the ball. happened to hit the ref in the shin like slightly, and he teed him up for it. it, it Wild, it's it's right? out of control. And yeah. these guys are getting away with it because it's they're personal. willy-nilly, man. They're making, they, it, they're making it too personal. It's the, it's the, it's the Wild West out here. They, who, are they getting account, who are they accountable for or accountable mm-hmm. to? The media's not they're pressing un, them. They're a union. Yeah. yeah, they're not sitting there in a press conference in front of a mic having to answer for what happened. So that's the point, is that what Fred Valenfeet did is what set this up, and I think it's beautiful. And on the flip side, Ben Taylor and the league have to hold an L for me because of the fact that, you know, I'd said about the maximum that you get fined is 50000 The league, The league fined Fred $30,000. That does two things. That gives us the belief that the league didn't really think that Fred was in the wrong. They just had to do this just out of technicality Something and out of necessity. Yeah. And two, free reign. Players are now going to start calling the guys out by name. They're going to start being more bold like that because they know. Well, hold on, you gave him a thirty thousand. Why am I getting hit, hit with fifty? Yeah. Hold on, you you just you, like you were talking about setting the market. You just set the market on fines, bitch. Yeah. You just said that I I'll pay a thirty k. Shit, I'll pay thirty thousand right now. Pop. You're you're a son of a bitch. You suck at your job. Take the money. You know what I mean? Like if if it let these players feel more free. Exactly. <laughs> if it lets these players feel more free to speak their minds. And you're not getting hit with the maximum fine? Bet. I got it. So the the league and Ben Taylor got to do me a solid. And hold, hold this out. Because y'all just set yourself up for failure. And I love it. I'm here for the chaos. Yeah, this show uh, went extremely late for those that have been watching or listening live. Um, we apologize. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, full disclosure. Full disclosure. Yeah. Two hours. I purchased some new equipment, and that equipment wasn't exactly working. So we were trying to maneuver around that bitch, and uh, we unfortunately had to sit here and delay the show a little bit. But that is not going to be a consistent thing. The only thing that's going to be consistent is us putting a, putting together content for you guys to enjoy. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. If not... 
Go find another fucking show. I don't care. But uh, we appreciate all you guys. We appreciate all the support. We've been our show has been growing substantially uh, from social media to our YouTube side of things, and we really do appreciate it, man. It's been awesome, and um, really can't ask anything more other than again, if you've not already subscribed to our YouTube channel. Why don't you go ahead and click that button, man? We'd really appreciate it. That's how we that's how we really want to grow this thing as much as we possibly can. But in the meantime, until you guys do that, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great clay weather that puts all this stuff together in the back end. I am Lance Twidwell, the spoken podcast, episode 208 is done finished and finito. And until we're back here in one week's time for episode 209, we out this bitch. See ya. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to The Spoke. I might actually stick, I might actually stick around for a little bit.